0: Welcome to another episode of Corona Cold Reads, My Entertainment World's Answer to Social Isolation. Every Tuesday and Saturday evening at 7 p.m. Eastern, we're getting together on YouTube Live to broadcast a cold reading of a Shakespeare play. Our actors run the gamut from um, non-professional actors to some of the biggest names in uh, North American classical theater. Um, But what we all have in common is just a really genuine love of Shakespeare and in these uncertain really genuinely scary times um, what makes us feel better is getting together and listening to the text and exploring these stories together so hopefully these episodes will bring you comfort as well and you'll enjoy them as much as we enjoyed recording them Um, all of the videos are available on our youtube channel which you just search my entertainment world um, as well as on our website, myentertainmentworld.ca, where you can find the full cast lists, um, as well as lots of other articles and all of our other content that we have going up all the time. Um, also, you should follow us on social media, uh, Twitter and Instagram. It's both myentworld, myentworld. Um, there you'll see be able to see highlights from all of the recordings, um, as well as you can get the links to watch us live, um, but we also have all sorts of content created just specifically for those platforms. In addition to um, that's where you can find links to all of our website content as well, which is myentertainmentworld.ca. Um, the videos do stay up after the live recording, so You can watch them after the fact, or you can catch the audio version in the podcast feed, um, which is you just search my entertainment world in, uh, iTunes. And there you'll find all of our different podcast series where we have the favorite series, the Shakespeare series, the nominee interview series, uh, Corona cold reads Corona movie club, season one, episode one, and the my entertainment world podcast. Um, tons of different things happening. It's never, there's never been a better time to subscribe to our podcast we have so much content happening right now um but you're here for corona cold reads for shakespeare um so these are cold reads for the most part uh our actors did not have more than a day maybe two if they're lucky um to look over the text if they wanted to most of them didn't have the chance to so it is just them sitting down and reading it cold Um, So you'll, you'll be able to hear that there will be some rocky moments and sometimes when we may have to pause and um, wonder why somebody's got their zoom on mute or, you know, how things happen. Um, We're all adjusting to these new technologies to cope with what we're going through right now. So I hope you enjoy. So next up is Henry IV, part two. Um, so, as with Henry IV, Part One, this is a continuation of Prince Hal's story um, on his rise towards becoming Henry V. Um, and you will hear the troubadours at the beginning of uh, just before Act One, Scene One. Gabby Grice and James King will give you a musical recap of what's come before in the Henryad, um, so that you're not lost if, for some whatever crazy reason, um, you were unable to listen to our Henry IV, Part One, uh, cold read. Um, or catch it on YouTube, or read it yourself. Any, you know, if for whatever reason you don't know what happened, they're gonna fill you in in a hilarious musical fashion, as they always do. Now, the thing you need to understand about Henry the Fourth, Part Two, aside from the fact that it's utterly silly and I have absolutely no idea what the actual plot is. Um, despite having seen it many, many times and read it many, many times and have, you know, I was present for this read. Um, but it's crazy. And part of the reason I did not grasp what happens in Henry the Fourth, part two is that this reading was, um, sort of commandeered by, although can it be commandeered if I'm in charge and I'm the one who commandeered it, but either way it was commandeered. That's the word I'm using, um, by my birthday, uh, We're in quarantine, and um, I decided that um, my birthday fell on a cold read day. And so instead of trying to organize some sort of other quarantine celebration, I decided to just turn Corona cold reads into my birthday celebration. So what I decided to do was throw open the doors of casting to anyone I could possibly think of. I invited so many people who are completely non-Shakespeare people and would never have dreamed of participating in a cold read except that it was my birthday. So we have my brother. We have my friend from when I was four years old. We have my best friend who is an accountant. We have all sorts of people who are not professional actors, and then we have a few professional actors, as we always do, Um, and because some of my friends are professional actors. And um, somehow... I did this partly because when I was doing the casting breakdown for Henry the Fourth, Part Two, in the first place, I noticed that there are 47 speaking roles, which is insane. Um, and so rather than putting in the time to figure out how best to double that with our cast, which is usually our cast has about 16 people in it... Um, I decided to see if I could, you know, if I really stretched the edges of my social circle, could I maybe find 47 different people to participate in this reading and fill out a one-for-one cast? Um, and then I underestimated how bored people are in quarantine and therefore how willing they are to agree to things that they might not otherwise agree to. And somehow we ended up with a cast of 89 people, myself not included. I, of course, read always always read the stage directions. So on this 90-person Zoom, um, I realized that we were going to have to break up the characters a little bit um, in order to make a cast of 47 characters work for 89 players. Um, So what we did was each of the main characters uh, is separated by, they're played by a different person in each scene, which is... Total another mad- utter madness. We had eight different people play Falstaff. Um, we had, I think, four Henry the Fourth, and then a Henry the Fifth, who is the same character, but he changes names partway through because he—spoiler uh, alert—becomes king. Um, so, what we tried to do—it's it- very confusing. So, what I did while reading along was I introduced who was playing the part at each person's entrance. So I will say, you know, enter Falstaff number five played by Steve Fisher. For example, I don't remember off the top of my head if Falstaff number five is indeed played by Steve Fisher, but just as an example. Um, So that you can hear, um, you at least know who you're getting. Um, It will be a little bit difficult to follow the voices if that's how you listen to these. You try and remember whose voice is who. Um, But, you know, it's... It's for fun. Who cares? It's fine. Um it's a little bit madness, but it's it's uh, it was a lot of fun to do. and I really appreciate um, what everybody brought to it and how many people showed up. Um, so if you've been following along with the whole Henry ad, you will hear um, sort of all the familiar voices that you've heard throughout all of Corona Cold Reads. Um, but Henry the Fourth, Part Two, does have a bunch of recurring characters. Um, so your Falstaff and your Hal and your Poins and all those people that you fell in love with in Henry IV Part One will make a reappearance in Henry IV Part Two. Um, Points is the same the whole way, but Falstaff and how, for example, among many, many others, uh, Mistress Quickly, all sorts of people, um, they are each playing, the people you heard in Henry IV Part One, and any of them who come back in Henry V, um, they will be playing the part in one scene. Um, and then other people will come and sort of like Part, uh, participate in the part almost like a substitute teacher. They'll take on the scene, the role for one scene, and then they'll pass it on to somebody else. Um, so it may be confusing. I apologize for that. But it was my birthday, and why not, guys? Come on. Give me a break. Okay. I hope you can follow. I hope you enjoy it more than I hope you can follow. Um, maybe keep in mind that there was a quite substantial drinking game happening during this, so if anyone sounds wobbly in Act 5... That's why. Also, because most of these people are not real actors or real actors. What's a real actor? But, you know, most of them are not professional actors. They're all there just to have fun. Um, So don't take this one too seriously. Anyway, I hope you enjoy it. I certainly did. Is everybody I mean, not there's no being ready. So let's just do it. Um, Okay, (laughs) Henry the fourth part Two: insane birthday nonsense. Zoom. Enter troubadours Gabby Grace and James King to recount the events of King Henry the Fourth, Part One.
1: So Henry is the king
0: now, and everyone's at war.
2: Young Hotspur is impressive, and Hal is drunk with whores. He spends his time with Falstaff
3: Committing heinous pranks Apparently it's all an act He's not a total wank That's what my dates say
4: Now Husper's got an ego He's pissing off the king His family wants what's owed to them Respect and lands and things
5: Oh, and Hal and Falstaff Are still messing around The Percy and Welsh witches Have landed on a plot they're gonna stage a
6: mutiny. Get for a shot. And scared the king will find out. And sure their plan will rock. Lady Mortimer sings Rhiannon.
7: <coughs> well, she is a Welsh witch.
8: And Lady Percy's freaking cocks
2: gets word of treason goes to his dad at once. They both bury the hatchet, they'll eat Hotspur for lunch. Oh, and the whole staff
9: is still cheap and still full of shit, right.
0: Oh, Hotspur's friends are bailing. Like an invite to his show.
10: But he won't let that stop him. Do you think he's high on blow? Yeah, what is his childhood trauma? The king offers to make up.
2: Douglas now appears. How killed Hotspur? And Falstaff was near. Classic
3: Falstaff. So that's how we left it, but that was just part one. The battle might be over, but the war is not yet won. (laughs)
0: <laughs> okay, thanks guys. So here we go. Prologue. Workworth before the castle. Enter rumor. Cherith Summers and Scott Bedard.
1: Open your ears for which of you will stop the vent of hearing when loud rumour speaks. I from the orient to the dripping west, making the wind my posthorse still unfold. The acts commenced on this ball of earth upon my tongue's continual slander's ride. The which in every language I pronounce, stuffing the ears of men with false reports. I speak of peace, while convert enmity, under the smile of safety wins the world. And who but rumour, who but only I, make fearful musters and prepared defence. Whilst the big year, swollen with some other grief, is sought with child by the stern tyrant war. And no such matter, rumour is a pipe, blown by surmises, jealousies, conjectures, and of so easy and so plain a stop, that the blunt monster with uncounted heads, the still discordant wavering multitude can play upon it. But what need I thus, my well-known body to anatomize, among my household? Why is rumour here?
11: Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> I won before King Harry's victory, who in a beaten field by Shrewsbury hath beaten down young Hotspur and his troops quenching the flame of bold rebellion even with the rebel's blood. But what I mean, but what mean I to speak so true at first? My office is noise abroad that Harry Monmouth fell under the wrath of noble Hotspur's sword, and, and, that, and that the king, before the Douglas's rage, stooped his anointed head as low as death. This I have rumoured through the peasant towns between that royal field of Shrewsbury and this worm-eaten of ragged stone, where Hotspur's father, old Northumberland, lies crafty sick. The posts come tiring on, and not a man of them brings all the news, and that and they have learned of me. From rumors tongue, they bring smooth comforts false, worse than true wrongs.
0: Exit. Act one, scene one, the same. Lord, enter Lord Bardolph, Emily Houghton. Who keeps the gate here, ho? The porter, Diana McAvoy, opens the gate.
4: Where is the Earl? What shall I say you are? Tell thou, the earl, that Lord Bardolph doth attend him here. His lordship is walketh forth into the orchard.
12: Please it, your honour, knock but at the gate, and he himself wilt answer. Enter
0: Northumberland, Shayland Macfall.
4: Here comes the earl.
13: Exit porter. What news, Lord Bardolph? Every minute now should be the father of some stratagem. The times are wild. Contention, like a horse full of high feeding, madly hath
4: broke loose and bears down all before him. Noble Earl, I bring you certain news from Shrewsbury. Good, and God will. As good as heart can wish, the king is almost wounded to the death and in the fortune of my lord, your son, Prince Harry, slain outright and both the blunts killed by the hand of Douglas, young Prince John and Westmoreland and Stafford fled the field and Harry Monmouth's brawn, the Hulk, Sir John is prisoner to your son. Oh, such a day, so fought, so followed and so fairly won. Came not till now to dignify the time since Caesar's fortunes. How is this derived? Saw you the field? Came you from Shrewsbury? I spake with one, my lord, that came from thence, a gentleman well-bred and of good name that freely
0: rendered me this news for true.
13: Here comes my servant Travers, whom I sent on Tuesday last to listen after news.
0: Enter Travers, Lisa McEwen.
4: My lord, I overrode him on the way, and he's furnished with no certainties more than he haply may retail from me.
13: Now, Travers, what good tidings comes with you?
14: My lord, Sir John Umberphile, turned me back with joyful tidings, and, being better horsed, outrode me. After him came spurring-hearted gentlemen, almost forspent with speed, that stopped by me to breathe his bloodied horse. He asked the way to Chester, and of him I did demand what news from Shrewsbury. He told me that, young, that rebellion had bad luck and that young Harry Percy's spur was cold. With that, he gave his able horse the head, and, bending forward, struck his armoured heels against the panting sides of his poor jade, up to the rowel-head, and, starting so, he seemed in running to devour the way, staying no longer questioned.
13: Again, said he young, Harry Percy spur was cold.
4: Of hot spur, cold spur, that rebellion had met ill-luck? My lord, I'll tell you what. If my young lord your son have not the day, upon mine honour for a silken point, I'll give my barony. Never talk of it.
13: Why should that gentleman that
4: rode by Travers give them such in- ten- uh, instances of loss? Who he? He was some hilding fellow that had stolen the horse he rode on, and upon my life spoke at a
0: venture. Look, here comes more news. your Morton, Marguerite McHale.
13: Yea, this man's brow, like to a title leaf, foretells the nature of a tragic volume. So looks the strand whereon the imperious flood hath left a witnessed usur- uh, usurpation. Say, Morden, didst thou come from Shrewsbury?
15: I ran from Shrewsbury, my noble lord, where hateful death put on his ugliest mask to fright our party.
13: How doth my son and brother? That tremblest? and the whiteness of thy cheek is after than thy tongue to tell thy errand. Even such a man, so faint, so spiritless, so dull, so dead in look, so woe-begone, drew Priam's curtain in the dead of night, and would have told him half his troy was burnt. But Priam found the fire ere he his tongue, and I my Percy's death, ere thou reports it. This thou wouldst say. Your son did thus and thus, your brother thus, so fought the noble Douglas, stopping my greedy ear with their bold deeds, but in the end, to stop my ear indeed, thou hast a sigh to blow away this praise, ending with brother, son, and all are dead.
15: Douglas is living, and your brother yet, but for my lord, your son,
13: why, he is dead. See what a ready tongue suspicion hath. He that but fears the thing he would not know has by instinct knowledge from others' eyes that what he feared is chanced. Yet, speak, Morton. Tell thou an earl his div- divination's lies, and I will take it as a sweet disgrace and make thee
15: rich for doing me such wrong. You are too great to be by me gainsaid. Your spirit is too true, your fears too certain.
13: Yet. For all this say not that Percy's dead. I see a strange confession in thine eye. Thou shakest thy head and holdst in fear or sin to speak a truth. If he be slain, say so. The tongue offends not that reports his death. And he doth sin that doth belie the dead. No, not he which says the dead is not alive. Yet the first bringer of unwelcome news hath but a losing office, and his tongue sounds ever after as a sullen bell remembered tolling a departing friend. I cannot think,
4: my lord, your son is dead.
15: I am sorry, I should force you to believe that which I would to God I had not seen. But these mine eyes saw him in bloody state, rendering faint Quintance Wearied and outbreath to hairy Monmouth, whose swift wrath beat down the never daunted Percy to the earth, from whence with life he never more sprung up. In few his death, whose spirit lent a fire even to the dullest peasant in his camp, being bruited once, took fire and heat away from the best tempered courage in his troops, for from his metal was his party steeled which once in him abated, all the rest turned on themselves, like dull and heavy lead. And as the thing that's heavy in itself, upon enforcement, flies with great greatest speed, so did our men, heavy and hot spurts lost. Lend to this weight such lightness with their fear that arrows fled not swifter toward their aim than did our soldiers, aiming at their safety, fly from the field. Then was the noble Worcester, too soon tamed prisoner, and that furious Scot, the bloody Douglas, whose well-laboring sword had three times slain the appearance of the king, gan veil his stomach and did grace the shame of those that turned their backs. And in this flight, stumbling in fear was took. The sum of all is that the king hath won, And hath sent out a speedy power to encounter you, my lord, Under the conduct of young Lancaster and Westmoreland. This is the news at full.
13: For this I shall have time enough to mourn. In poison there is physic, And these news, having been well, That would have made me sick. Being sick hath in some measure made me well. And as the wretch, whose fever-weakened joints, like strengthless hinges, buckle under life, impatient of his fits, breaks like a fire out of his keeper's arms, even so my limbs, weakened with grief, being now enraged with grief, are thrice themselves. Hence, therefore, thou nice crutch, a scaly gauntlet now with joints of steel must glove this hand, and hence, thou sickly quaff, thou art a guard too wanton for the head which princes fleshed with conquest aim to hit now bind my brows with iron and approach with ragged hour that time and spire dare bring to frown upon the enraged northumberland let heaven kiss earth now let not nature's hand keep the wild flood confined let order die and let this world no longer be a stage to feed contention in a lingering act, but let one spirit of the firstborn Cain reign in all bosoms, that each heart being set on bloody courses, the rude scene may end, and darkness may be the barrier of the dead.
14: This strained passion doth you wrong, my lord.
15: Sweet earl, divorce not
4: wisdom from your
14: honor.
15: The lives of all your loving accomplices lean on your health. The which if you give o'er to stormy passion must perforce decay. You cast the event of war, my noble lord, and summed the account of chance before you said, let us make head. It was your pre-surmise that in the dull blows your son might drop. You knew he walked o'er perils on an edge, more likely to fall in than to get o'er. You were advised his flesh was capable of wounds and scars, and that this for, his forward spirit would lift him where most trade of danger ranged. Yet did you say, go forth? And none of this, though strongly apprehended, could restrain the stiff-born action. What hath then befallen, or what hath this bold enterprise brought forth, more than that being which was like to be? We all that
4: are engaged to this loss knew that we ventured on such dangerous seas, that if we wrought our life, t'was ten to one. And yet we ventured, for the gain proposed, choked the respect of likely peril feared, and since we are our set, venture again.
15: Come, we will all put forth,
4: body and goods.
15: Tis more than time, and my most noble lord, I hear for certain, and do speak the truth, the gentle Archbishop of York is up with well-appointed powers. He is a man who double surety, surety binds his followers. My lord, your son had only but the corpse, the shadows, and the shows of men to fight. For that same word, rebellion, did divide the action of their bodies from their souls. And they did fight with queasiness, constrained as men drink potions, that their weapons only seemed on our side. But for their spirits and souls, this word, rebellion, it had froze them up as fish are in in a pond. But now the bishop turns insurrection to religion Supposed sincere and holy in his thoughts, he's followed both with body and with mind, and doth enlarge his rising with the blood of fair King Richard, scraped from pomfret stones. Derives from heaven his quarrel and his cause. Tells them he doth bestride a bleeding land, gasping for life under great Bolingbroke, and more and less do flock to follow him.
13: I knew of this before. But to speak truth, this present grief had wiped it from my mind. Go in with me, and counsel every man the aptest way f- for safety and revenge. Get posts and letters, and make friends with speed. Never so few, and never yet more need.
0: Exent. Scene two, London, a street. Enter Falstaff, Weldon Gorey, with his page, Andrew Hawley, bearing his sword and buckler.
16: Sirrah,
17: you... Giant.
18: What says the doctor to my water?
16: He said, sir,
10: the water itself was a good, healthy water. But for the party that owed it, he might have more
18: diseases than he knew for. (laughs) Men of all sorts take a pride to gird at me. The brain of this foolish, compounded clay man is not able to invent anything that tends to laughter more than I invent or is invented on me. I am not only witty in myself, but the cause that wit is in other men. <laughs> I do here walk before thee like a sow that hath overwhelmed all her litter but one. If the prince put thee into my service for any other reason than to set me off, why then I have no judgment. Thou, horse and mad drake, thou art fitter to be worn in my cap than to wait at my heels. I was never manned with an agate till now, but I will inset you neither in gold nor silver, but in vile apparel and send you back again to your master, for a jewel, the juvenile, the prince, your master, whose chin is not yet fledged. Oh, I will sooner have a beard grow in the palm of my hand than he shall get one on his cheek, and yet he will not stick to say his face is a face royal. God may finish it when he will, tis not a hair amiss yet. And he may keep it still at a face royal, for a barber shall never earn sixpence out of it, and yet... He'll be crowing as if he had rid a man ever since his father was a bachelor. I may keep his own grace, but he is almost out of mine, I can assure him. What said Master Dumbledon about the satin for my short cloak and my slops?
10: He said, sir, you should procure him better assurance than Bardolph. He would not take his band in yours, he'd
18: like not the security. Let him be damned like the glutton. Pray God his tongue be hotter, a horse and a chit-a-fell a rascally, yea, forsooth knave, to bear a gentleman in hand. then stand upon security? Oh, the horse and smooth pates do now wear nothing but high shoes and bunches of keys at their girdles, and if a man is through with them and honest taking up, then they must stand upon security. (laughs) I had as a leaf they would put rat's bane in my mouth as offered to stop it with security. I looked... I should have sent me two and twenty yards of satin, as I am a true knight, and he sends me security. Well, he may sleep in security, for he hath the horn of abundance, and the lightness of his wife shines through it. Yet cannot he see that we have his own lanthorn to light him. Where's Bardolf?
10: He has gone to Smithfield to buy your horse of worship.
18: Bought him in Paul's. no buy me a horse in Smithfield. Ugh, and I could get me but a wife in the stews. I were manned, horsed, and wived.
0: Enter Lord Chief Justice Jack Graham and servant Becca Sharp.
10: Sir, here comes the nobleman that committed the prince for striking him about Bardolph.
18: Wait. Close. I will not see him.
19: What's he that goes there? Falstaff, and please well. your lord. No- He that was in question for the robbery?
20: He, my lord, but he has since done good service at Shrewsbury, and, as I hear, is now going with some charge to the Lord John of Lancaster. What?
18: To York? Call him back again.
19: Sir John Falstaff. Uh,
18: Boy, tell him I am deaf. You must speak
10: louder. My master is deaf.
19: I am sure he is to the hearing of anything good.
18: Go pluck him by the elbow.
19: I must speak with him. Sir John.
18: What? A young knave and begging? Is there not wars? Is there not employment? Doth not the king lack subjects? Do not the rebels need soldiers? It would be a shame to be on any side but one. It is worse shame to beg than to be on the worst side. W- worse side, Were it worse than the name of rebellion can tell how to make it.
20: You mistake me, sir.
18: Why, sir, did I say you were an honest man? Setting my knighthood and my soldiership aside, I had lied in my throat if I had said so.
20: I pray you, sir, then set your knighthood and our soldiership aside, and give me leave to tell you you lie in your throat if you say I am any other than an honest man.
18: I give thee leave to tell me so. I lay aside that which grows to me. If thou gettest any leave of me, hang me. If thou takest leave, thou wert better be hanged. You hunt counter, hence, avant!
8: That my lord would speak with you.
19: Sir John Falstaff, a word with you. <laughs>
18: Good Lord. God, give your lordship good time of day. I am glad to see your lordship abroad. I heard say your lordship was sick. I hope your lordship goes abroad by advice. Your lordship, though not clean past your youth, hath yet some smack of age in you, some relish of the saltness of time, and I must humbly beseech your lordship to have a reverent care of your health.
19: Sir John, I sent
18: for you before your expedition to Shrewsbury. And, please your lordship, I hear his majesty is returned with some discomfort from Wales. I
19: talk not of his majesty. You would not come when I
18: sent for you. Uh, And I hear, moreover, his highness has fallen into the same horse and apoplexy.
19: Well, God amend him. I pray you, let me speak with you.
18: This apoplexy uh, is, as I take it, a kind of lethargy, and, please your lordship, a kind of sleeping in the blood, a, a, a horse and tingling. What tell me you me of it, be it as it is? It hath its original from much grief, from study and perturbation of the brain. I have read the cause of his effects in uh, Galen. Mm. It's a kind of deafness.
19: I think you have fallen into the disease, for you hear not what I say to you.
18: Very well, my lord, very well. <laughs> Rather, and please you, it is the disease of not listening, the malady of not marking, that I am troubled withal.
19: To punish you by the heels would amend the attention of your ears, and I care not if I do become your physician.
18: I am as poor as Job, my lord, but not so patient. Your lordship may minister the potion of imprisonment to me in respect of poverty, but how should I be your patient? To follow your prescriptions, the wise may make some dram of a scruple, or indeed a, a scruple itself.
19: I sent for you, when there were matters against you for your life, to come speak with me.
18: As I was then advised by my learned counsel in the law of this land service, I I, I did, did not come.
19: Well, the truth is, Sir John, you live in great
18: infamy. He that buckles him in my belt cannot live in less.
19: Your means are very slender, and your waist is great.
18: Oh, I would it were otherwise. I would my means were greater, and my waist slenderer.
19: You have misled.
18: The youthful prince. The young prince hath mis- misled me. I am the fellow with the great belly, and he my dog.
19: Well, I am loath to gall a new-healed wound. Your day's service at Shrewsbury hath a little gilded over your night's exploit on Glad's Hill. You may thank the unquiet time for your quiet overposting that action. My lord? But since all is well, keep it so. Wake not a sleeping dog. Wolf.
18: Uh, to wake a wolf is as bad as to smell a fox. What? You are as a candle, the better part burnt out. A wassail candle, my lord, all tallow. If I did say of wax, my growth would approve the truth.
19: There is not a white hair on your face, but should have his effect of gravity.
18: His effect of gravy, gravy, gravy.
19: You follow the young prince up and down, like his ill angel.
18: Not so, my lord, your ill angel is light, but I hope that he looks upon me, will take me without weighing, and yet, in some respects, I grant I cannot go. I cannot tell. Virtue is of so little regard in these costermonger times that true valor is turned bear Pregnancy is made a tapster, and hath his quick wit wasted in all given reckonings. All the other gifts are pertinent to man, as the malice of this age shapes them— are not worth a gooseberry. You that are old, consider not the capacities of us that are young. You do measure the heat of your livers with the bitterness of your galls, and we that are in the wayward of our youth, I must confess, are wags too.
19: Do you set your name in the scroll of youth, that are written down old with all the characters of age? Have you not a moist eye, a dry hand, a yellow cheek, a white beard, a decreasing leg, an increasing belly? Is not your voice broken? Your short, you can double your wit single, and every part about you blasted with antiquity, and would yet call yourself
21: young. Fie, 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 Sir John. My lord,
18: I was born about three of the clock in the afternoon, with a white head and something around belly. For my voice, I have lost it with hallowing and singing of anthems. To approve my youth further, I will not. The truth is, I am only old in judgment and understanding. And he that will caper with me for a thousand marks, let him lend me the money and have at it. For the box of the year that the prince gave you, he gave it like a rude prince, and you took it like a sensible lord. I have checked him for it, and the young lion repents. Mary, not in ashes and sackcloth, but in new silk and uh, old sack.
19: Well, God send the prince a
18: better companion. God send the companion a better prince. I cannot rid my hands of him.
19: Well the King hath said of you and Prince Harry. I hear you are going with Lord John of Lancaster against the Archbishop and the Earl of Northumberland.
18: Yea, I thank your pretty sweet wit for it, but look, you pray, all you that kiss my lady peace at home, that our armies join not in a hot day. For, by the Lord, I take but two shirts out with me and I mean not to sweat extraordinarily. If it be a hot day and I brandish anything but a bottle, I might never spit white again. (laughs) There's not a dangerous action, Can peep out his head, but I am thrust upon it. Ah, well, I cannot last ever. But it was always yet the trick of our English nation, if they have a good thing, to make it too common. If you will need say that I am an old man, you should give me rest. I would to God my name were not so terrible to the enemy as it is. I were better to be eaten to death with the rust than to be scoured to nothing with perpetual motion.
19: Well, be honest. Be honest, and God
18: bless your expedition. Will your lordship lend me mm, a thousand pound to furnish me forth? Not a
19: penny. Not a penny. You are too impatient to bear crosses. Fare you well. Commend me to my cousin, Westmore.
0: Exit, Chief Justice and Servant.
18: If I do, fill it me with a three-man beetle. (sighs) A man can no more separate separate age and covetousness than it can part young limbs and lechery. But the gout galls the one and the pox pinches the other, and so both the degrees prevent my curses. Boy! Sir. What money is in my purse?
10: Seven groats and two pence.
18: (sighs) I can get no remedy against this consumption of the purse. Borrowing only lingers and lingers it out, but the disease is incurable. Go. Bear this letter to my lord of Lancaster, this to the prince, to the Earl of Westmoreland, and this, ha, to old mistress Ursula, whom I have weakly sworn to marry since I perceived the first white hair on my chin. About it, you know know where to find me. A pox of this gout, or a gout of this pox. For the one or the other plays the rogue with my great toe. Oh, "'Tis no matter if I do halt. I have the wars for my color, and the pension shall seem the more reasonable. A good wit will make use of anything. I will turn diseases to commodity.
0: Exit. Scene 3, York, the Archbishop's Palace. Enter Archbishop of York, Miriam Bachman, the Lords Hastings, Lynn Farley, Mowbray, David Armstrong, and Barty, Mar- Marty Chadorik.
2: Thus have you heard our cause and known our means, and my most noble friends, I pray you all speak plainly your opinions of our hopes. And first, Lord Marshal, what say you to it?
22: I will allow the occasion of our arms, but gladly would be better satisfied how how in our means we should advance ourselves to look with forehead bold and big enough upon the power and puissance of the king.
10: Our present musters grow upon the file to five and twenty thousand men of choice, and our supplies live largely in the hope of great Northumberland, whose bosom burns with an incensed fire of injuries.
23: The question, then, Lord Hastings, standeth thus, whether our present five and twenty thousand may hold up head without Northumberland.
17: With him we may.
23: Yea, Mary, there's the point. But if without him we be thought too feeble, my judgment is, we should not step too far till we had his assistance by the hand. For in a field so bloody-faced as this, conjecture, expectation, and surmise of AIDS, in certain, should not be admitted.
2: Tis very true,
23: Lord Baldrall,
2: for indeed it was young Hotspur's case at Shrewsbury.
23: It was, my lord, who lined himself with hope, eating the air on promise of supply, flattering himself in project of a power much smaller than the smallest of his thoughts. And so, with great imagination, proper to madmen, led his powers to death, and winking leaped into destruction.
10: But, by your leave, it never yet did hurt to lay down likelihoods and forms of hope.
23: Yes if this present quality of war, indeed the instant action, uh, cause on foot lives so in hope as in an early spring we see the appearing of buds, which to prove fruit, hope gives not so much warrant as despair that frosts will bite them. When we mean to build, we first survey the plot, then draw the model, and when we see the figure of the house, then we rate, then must we rate the cost of the erection, which, if we find our ways ability, what do we then draw anew the model in fewer offices, or at least desist to build it all? Much more, it is great work, which is almost to pluck a kingdom down and set another up. Should we survey the plot of situation and the model, consent upon a sure foundation, question surveyors, found our own estate, uh, how able such a work to undergo to weigh against his opposite, or else we fortify in paper and in figures, using the names of men instead of men, like one that draws the model of a house uh, beyond his power to build it, who half through, gives or, and leaves his part created, costs, uh, a naked subject to the weeping clouds and waste for churlish winter's tyranny.
10: Grant that our hopes, yet likely of fair birth, should be stillborn, and that we now possess the utmost man of expectation. I think we are a body strong enough, even as we are, to equal with the king.
23: What is the king but five and twenty thousand?
10: To us no more, nay, not so much, Lord Bardolph, for his divisions, as the times do brawl, are in three heads. One power against the French, and one against Glendar, perforce the third must take up us. So is the unfirm king in three divided, and his coffers sound with hollow poverty and emptiness.
2: That he should draw his several strengths together and come against us in full puissance
10: need not be dreaded. If he should do so, he leaves his back unarmed, the French and Welsh baying him at the heels. Never fear that.
23: Who is it like should lead his horses hither?
10: The Duke of Lancaster and Westmoreland against the Welsh, himself, and Harry Monmouth, but who is substituted against the French, I have no certain notice. Let us on,
2: and publish the occasion of our arms. The Commonwealth is sick of their own choice, their over greedy love hath surfeited, and habitation giddy and, absur- and unsure hath he that buildeth on the vulgar heart. O oh, thou fond many, with what loud applause did thou beat heaven with blessing Bolingbroke before he was that would before he was what thou wouldst have him be. And being now trimmed in thine own desires, Thou beastly feeder art so full of him, That thou provokest thyself to cast him up. So, so thou common dog, didst thou disgorge Thy glutton bosom of the royal Richard, And now thou wouldst eat thy dead vomit up, And how'st to find it? What trust is in these times? Day that, when Richard lived, would have him die, and now become enamoured on his grave. Thou, that threwst dust upon his goodly head, when when through proud London he came sighing on, after the admired heels of Bolingbroke, cries now, O earth, yield us that king again, and take thou this. O thoughts of men accursed, past and to come seems best, things present worst.
22: Shall we go draw our numbers and set
10: on? We are time subjects, and time bids... Be gone.
0: (laughs) Exempt. Act 2, scene 1, London, A Street. Enter Mistress Quickly, Nicole Falgu, Fang, Zarya Pucknell, and his boy with her, and Snare, Ron
20: Vincent, following. Master Fang, have you entered the action? It is entered. Where's your yeoman? Is it a lusty yeoman? Will it stand to it?
24: What is that? Sirrah?
20: Sirrah, where's Snare? (laughs) Oh, Lord, I. Good Master Snare. Yeah Snare we must arrest sir, sir Sir John Falstaff. Yay, good Master Snare, I've entered him in all.
25: His many chance if many chance come some of us our li- cost some of us our lives, for
26: he will stab
20: <laughs> Alas the day. Take heed of him. He stabbed me in mine own a house. And that most beastly. In good faith he cares not what mischief he does. If his weapon be out, he will foin like any devil. He will spare neither man, woman, nor child. If I can close with him, I care not for his thrust. No, nor, not, nor I neither. I'll be at your elbow. And I but fist him once, <laughs> and a come but within my vice. I am undone by his going. I warrant you, he's an infinitive thing upon my score. Good Master Fang, hold him sure. Good Master Snare, let him not scape. A uh, comes continually to Pie Corner, saving your manhoods, to buy a saddle, and he is indicted to dinner at the Lubberheads in Lumbert Street. To master, to master soothes the silkman, I pray you, since my exion is entered and my case so openly known to the world, let him be brought in to into his answer. A hundred mark is a, long one, is a long one for a poor lone woman to bear, and I have borne and borne and borne, and have been fubbed off and fubbed off and fubbed off. From this day to that day, that is a shame to be thought on. There is no honesty in such in such dealing, unless a woman should be made an ass and, and a beast to bear every knave's wrong. <laughs> Yonder he comes. And that errant, malmsy nosed knave, fart off with him. To your, do your offices, do your offices. Master Fang and Master Sna- Snare, do me, do me, do me your offices. Enter Falstaff, Morgan Ford,
0: Paige, Alex Collins, and Bardolph, Mark Crater. Oh no! Whose
3: mare's dead? What's the matter?
0: Sir John, I arrest
27: you at the suit of Mistress Quickly. Away, varlet. Draw Bardolph. Cut me off the villain's head. Throw the queen in the channel. Throw me
20: in the channel? I'll throw thee in the channel, wilt thou. Wilt thou, Thou thou bastardly rogue. Murder, murder. Ah, oh, thou honeysuckle villain! Wilt thou kill God's officers and the kings? Ah, oh, thou honeyseed rogue! Thou art a honeyseed, a man queller, and a woman queller.
28: <laughs> Keep them off, Bardolf. Of
20: rescue! A rescue! Good people, bring a rescue or two. Thou wat wat thou? Thou wot wat ta? Do do thou rogue? Do thou hempseed? Away, you
24: scullion! You.
27: Rampalion, you Fustelarian!
11: I'll
0: tickle your catastrophe. (sighs) Enter Lord Chief Justice Andrew
20: Patty and his men.
11: What is the matter here? Keep the peace here, ho!
20: Good my lord, be good to me. I beseech you, stand to me.
11: how now, Sir John? What are you, brawling here? Doth this become your place, your time, and business? You should have been well on your way to York, Stand from him, fellow, wherefore hangest upon him?
20: Almost oh, must worship a full Lord, and it please your grace. I am a poor widow of Eastcheap, and he is arrested at my suit.
11: Oh, for what sum?:
20: It is more than for some, my lord. it is for all, all I have. He hath eaten me out of house and home. He hath put all my substance into that fat belly of his, but I will have some of it out again, or I will ride thee in nights like the mare.
27: I think I am as like to ride the mare, if I have any vantage of
3: ground to get up.
11: How comes this, Sir John? Fie! What man of good temper would endure this tempest of exclamation? Are you not ashamed to enforce a poor widow to do so rough a course to come by her own?
3: (laughs) What is the gross sum that I owe thee?
20: Mary, if thou wert an honest man, thyself and the money too— Thou didst swear to me upon a parcel-gilt goblet, sitting in my dolphin chamber at the round table by a sea coal fire, upon Wednesday and weeks and week, when the prince broke thy head for liking his father to a singing man of Windsor, thou didst swear to me then, as I was washing thy wound, to marry me and make me my lady thy wife. Canst thou deny it? Did not good wife Keach, the butcher's wife, come in then and call me gossip quickly, coming in to borrow a mess of vinegar, telling me that, she, telling us she had a good dish of prawns, whereby thou didst desire to eat some, whereby, whereby I told thee they were ill for a green wound, and that didst thou not, when she was gone down the stairs, desire me to be no more so familiarity with such poor people, saying that. Ere long they should call me madam, and didst thou not kiss me and bid me fetch thee thirty shillings? I put thee now to thy book oath. Deny it if thou canst. My
27: lord, this is a poor mad soul, and she says up and down the town that the eldest son is like you. She hath been in good case, and the truth is, poverty hath distracted her, but for these foolish officers, I beseech you, I may have redress against them.
11: Sir John, Sir John, I am well acquainted with your manner of wrenching the true cause the false way. It is not a confident brow, nor the throng of words that come with such more than impotent sauciness from you. Can thrust me... From a level of consideration you have, as it appears to me, practiced upon the easy-yielding spirit of this woman, and made her serve you your uses, both in purse and in person.
20: Yea, in truth, my lord.
11: Pray thee, peace. Pay her the debt you owe her, and unpay the villainy you have done to her. The one may do sterling money, and the other with current repentance.
27: My lord, I will not undergo this Sneep without reply. You call honorable boldness impudent sauciness. If a man will make courtesy and say nothing, he is virtuous. No, my lord, my humble duty remembered, I will not be your suitor. I say to you I do desire deliverance from these officers, being upon hasty employment in the king's affairs.
11: You speak as having power to do wrong, but answer in the effect of your reputation and satisfy this poor woman.
0: Come, um, a hostess. Enter Gower, Lita Brillman.
11: Oh, now, Master Gower, what news?
28: The king, my lord, and Harry, prince of Wales are near at hand, the rest of the paper tells. As I am a gentleman. Faith, you said
20: so before. As I am a gentleman. Come, no more words of it. By this heavenly ground I tread on, I must be feigned upon both my plate and the tapestry of my dining chambers.
28: Glasses. Glasses is the
27: only drinking for thy walls, a pretty slight drawlery, or the story of the prodigal, or the German hunting and water work is worth a thousand of these bed hangings and these fly bitten tapestries. Let it be ten pound if thou canst. Come, um, are not for thy humours. There's not a better
4: wench in England.
27: Go wash thy face and <laughs> draw the action. Come, oh, thou must not be in this humour with me, dost not know me. Oh, well, I know thou wast set on to this.
20: Pray thee, Sir John, let it be but twenty nobles. If faith, I am loath to pawn my plate, so God save me, la.
27: Let it alone. I'll make another shift. You will be a
20: fool still. Well, you shall have it, though I pawn my gown. I hope you'll come to supper. You'll pay me altogether?
6: Will I live?
28: Go with her, with her, hook on, hook on.
20: Will you have doll tears meet you at supper?
27: No more words, let's have her.
0: Enter, exit Mistress Quigley, Bardolph, officers, and boy.
11: I have heard better news.
28: What's the news, my lord?
11: Uh, Where lay the king last night?
28: At Basingstoke, my lord. I hope my Lord, all's well. what
11: is the news, my Lord? Come all his forces back,
28: no fifteen hundred foot, five hundred horse are marched up to my Lord of Lancaster against Northumberland and the Archbishop. Comes the King back from Wales, my noble Lord.
11: you shall have letters of me presently. Come, go along with me, good Master Glacower,
28: my Lord,
11: what's the matter?
28: Master Gower, shall I entreat you with me to dinner? I must wait
4: upon my good lord here. I thank you, good Sir John.
11: Sir John, you loiter here too long, uh, being, you are, uh, being you are to take soldiers up in the counties as you go.
4: Will you
27: sup with me, Master Gower?
11: What foolish master taught you these manners, Sir John?
27: Master Gower, if they become me not, he was a fool that taught them me. This is the right fencing grace, my lord, tat for tat, and so part fair.
11: Oh, now the lord lighten me. Thou art a great fool.
0: Exent. Okay. So I've had a request for a pause for drink refresh. Is that a real thing? Or does everyone would rather everyone keep would everyone rather keep going? I swear I'm not even drinking. <laughs> Just like can't speak English. Thoughts, feelings. Oh my god, Laura, your costume. Uh,
11: I mean, I'm barely drinking. I don't know. Okay.
0: But- Anyone other than Andrew Patty want to chime in?
11: I mean, I don't (laughs) know. Keep
0: going. I think we should keep going. (laughs) Okay, let's just keep going. Sorry, Tasha. That was your request. (laughs) Okay. Laura,
28: I love your glasses.
0: (laughs) All right. Scene two London, another street. Enter Prince Henry, Moke Molly, and Poins, Laura Hubbard.
29: Before God, I am exceeding
17: weary. (laughs) Is it come to that? I thought
30: weariness durst not have attached one of so high blood.
29: Faith, it does me, though it discolors the complexion of my greatness to acknowledge it. Doth it not show vile in me to desire small beer?
17: Why, a prince should not be so
30: loosely studied as to remember so weak a composition.
29: Be like, then, my appetite was not princely got, for by my, th- my, by my troth, I do now remember the poor creature, small beer. But indeed, these humble considerations make me out of love with my greatness. What a disgrace is it to me to remember thy name, or to know thy face tomorrow, or to take note how many pair of silk stockings thou hast, these, these and those that were thy peach-colored ones, <laughs> or to bear the inventory of thy shirts as one for super, superfluity, and another for use. But that the tennis court keeper knows better than I, for it is a low ebb of linen with thee when thou keepest not racket there, as thou hast not done a great while, because the rest of thy low countries have made a shift to eat up thy Holland. And God knows whether those that fall out the ruins of thy linen shall inherit his kingdom. But the midwives say the children are not in the fault, whereupon the world increases, and kindreds are mightily strengthened.
30: How ill it follows after you have labored so hard, how you should talk so idly. Tell me, how many good young princes would do so with
17: their fathers being so sick as yours is at the time?
29: Shall I tell thee one thing, point?
17: Yes, base,
30: and, uh, let it be an excellent good thing.
29: It shall serve among wits of no higher breeding than thine.
30: Go to. I stand the push of your one thing that you will tell.
29: Mary, I tell thee, it is not meet that I should be sad. Now my father is sick. Albeit, I could tell thee, as to one it pleases me, for fault of a better, to call thee, to call my friend. I could be sad, and sad indeed, too.
30: Very hardly upon a subject.
29: By this hand thou thinkest me as far in the devil's book as thou and Falstaff for obduracy and persistency. Let the end try the man. But I tell thee, my heart bleeds inwardly that my father is so sick, and keeping such vile company as thou art, art hath in reason taken from me all ostentation of sorrow.
17: The reason? What wouldst thou think of me if I should weep? I would uh,
30: think thee a uh, most princely
29: hypocrite. It would be every man's thought, and thou art a blessed fellow to think as every man thinks. Never a man's thought in the world keeps the roadway better than thine. Every man would think me a hypocrite indeed. And what excites you most, your most worshipful thought to think so?
30: Why, because you have been so lewd and so much engraft to Falstaff.
29: Ah, and to thee.
30: By this light, I, I am well spoke on. I can hear it with mine own ears. The worst that they can say of me is that I am a second brother, that I am a proper fellow of my hands, and these two things, I confess, I cannot help.
29: Ugh, by the mass, here comes Bardolph, and the boy that I gave Falstaff, and had him from me Christian. And look, if the fat villain have not transformed him, a God save your grace and yours,
31: most noble Bardolph! Oh, come, you virtuous ass, you bashful fool! Must you be blushing? Wherefore blush you now? What, a maidenly man at arms, are you become? Is such a matter to get a puddle pot's maidenhead? <laughs>
7: A calls me, and and now, my lord, through a red lattice, and I could discern no part of his face from the window. At last I spied his eyes, and methought he had two holes in the ale's wife, new's petticoat, so
29: peeped through. Has not the boy profited? Away, you whore, son, upright (laughs) rabbit, away!
7: Away, you rascally Athenia's dream, away!
29: (laughs) Instruct us, boy! What dream, boy?
7: Mary, my lord, Alfinia dreamed she was delivered of a fair a fire brand, and therefore I call him her dream.
29: <laughs> a crown's worth of good interpretation.
11: There it is, boy.
7: Ah, uh, that this good blossom could be kept
30: from cankers.
31: Well there's a sixpence to thee to preserve thee. And you do not make him hanged among you. The gallows shall have wrong. And how doth thy master Bardolph? Well, my lord, he heard of your grace's coming to town. Uh, There's a letter for you.
30: Yeah, delivered with good respect. And uh, how doth the Martelmas, your master? In bodily health, sir. Mary, the immortal part needs a physician, but that moves not him. Though that be sick, it dies
29: not. I... Do allow this one to be as familiar with me as my dog. And he holds his place, for look you how he writes.
30: John Falstaff, knight. Every man must know that has oft as he has occasion to name himself, even like those that are akin to the king. For they never prick their finger, but they say, there's some of the king's blood spilt. How comes that, say he, that he takes upon him not to conceive, the answer is as ready as a bower's cap, I am the king's poor cousin, sir.
29: Nay, they will be kin to us, or they will fetch it from Jaffa, but to the letter.
30: Sir John Falstaff, knight to the son of the king, nearest his father, Harry Prince of Wales. Why, this is a certificate.
29: Peace! Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs)
30: I will imitate the Honourable Romans in brevity. He sure means brevity in breath, (laughs) short-winded. I commend me to thee. I commend thee, and I leave thee. Be not too familiar with points, for he misuses thy favours so much that he swears thou art to marry his sister now. Repent at idle times, as thou sayest, and so farewell, thine by yea, and no, which is as much as to say, as thou usest him, Jack Falstaff with my familiars, John with my brothers and sisters, and Sir John, and with all of Europe. My lord, I'll, uh, I'll stick this letter in sack and make him eat it.
29: That's to make him eat twenty of his words. But do you use me thus, Ned? Must I marry your sister?
17: God send the wench no worse fortune, but
30: uh. No, I, I never said, I never said, no.
29: <clears throat> well, thus we play the fools with the time, and the spirits of the wise sit in the clouds and mock us. Is your master here in London? Yea, my lord. Where's subsea Doth the old boar feed in the old Frank? At the old place, my lord, in Eastcheap. What company?
7: Ephesians, my lord, of the old church.
29: Sup any women with him?
7: None, my lord, but old mistress quickly and mistress
29: doll sheet. What pagan may that be?
7: A proper gentlewoman, sir, and a kinswoman of my master's.
29: Even such kin as the parish hypers are to the town bull. Shall we steal upon them, Ned, at supper?
30: I am your shadow, my lord. I'll follow you.
29: Sirrah, you, boy, and Bardolph, no word to your master that I am yet come to town. There's for your silence. I have no time.
7: And for mine, sir, I will govern it.
29: Fare you well. Go.
7: Exit Bardolph and page.
29: This doll, Tershey, should be some road.
30: <laughs> I warrant you, as common as the way between St. Albans and London.
29: How might we see Falstaff bestow himself tonight in his true colors and not ourselves be seen?
30: Put on two leather jerkins and aprons and wait upon him at his table as
29: drawers. Hmm. From a god to a bull, a heavy dissension, (laughs) it was Jove's case, from a prince to apprentice, a low transformation, that shall be mine. For in everything, the purpose must weigh with the folly. Follow me, Ned.
0: Exunt. Scene three, Warkworth, Before the Castle. Enter Northumberland, Brian Balduzzi, Lady Northumberland, Hilary Wardinger, and Lady Percy, Loren Hereda.
32: I pray thee, loving wife and gentle daughter, Give even way unto my rough affairs. Put not you on the visage of the time, and be like them to Percy Troublesome.
27: I have given over. I will speak no more. Do what you will. Your wisdom be your guide.
32: Alas, sweet wife, my honor is at pawn, and but my going nothing can redeem it.
24: Oh, yet for God's sake go not to these wars. The time was, father, that you broke your word, when you were more endeared to it than now, when your own Percy, when my dear hearts Harry, through many a northward look to see his father bring up his powers, but he did then long in vain. Who then persuaded you to stay at home? There were two honors lost, yours and your son's. For yours, the God of heaven brighten it, for his It stuck upon him as the sun in the gray vault of heaven, and by his light did all the shivery of England move to do brave acts, as he was indeed the glass wherein the noble youth did dress themselves. He had no legs, that practised not his gait, and speaking thick, which nature made his blemish, became the accents of the valiant. For those that could speak low and tardily would turn their own perfection to abuse to seem like him. So that in speech, in gait, in diet, in affections of delight, in military rules, humors of blood, he was the mark and glass and copy and book that fashioned others and him. Oh, wondrous him, oh miracle of men, him did you leave, second to none, unseconded by you, to look upon the hideous god of war in disadvantage, to abide a field where nothing but the sound of Hotspur's name did seem defensible, so you left him, never, oh never, never, did his ghost the wrong to hold your honor more precise and nice with others than with him? Let them alone. The marshal and the archbishop are strong. Had my sweet Harry had but half their numbers, today might I, hanging on Hotspur's neck, have talked of Monmouth's grave. Shrew your heart
32: fair daughter, you do my spirit from me with new lamenting ancient oversights, but I must go and meet with danger there, or I will seek me in another place and find me worse provided.
33: Oh, fly to Scotland,
28: till that the nobles in the armed commons have of their poisons made a little taste.
24: If they get ground and vantage of the king, then join you with them, like a rib of steel to make strength stronger, but for all our loves, first let them try themselves, so did your son. He was so suffered, so came I a widow, and never shall have length of life enough to rain upon remembrance with mine eyes, that it may grow and sprout as high as heaven for recordation to my noble husband.
32: Come. Come, go in with me, just with my mind as with the tide swelled up and with his height, that makes a still stand running neither way. Fain would I go to meet the Archbishop, but many thousand reasons hold me back. I will resolve for Scotland, there am I till time and vantage
0: break my company. Exent, scene four, London, the Boar's Head Tavern in Eastcheap. Enter two drawers.
6: What the devil hast thou brought there? Apple Johns? Thou knowest Sir John cannot endure an Apple John.
22: thou <laughs> so say is true. The prince once set a dish of Apple Johns before him and told him there were five more Sir Johns, and putting off his hat, said, I will now take my leave of these six dry, round,
34: old, withered knights. It angered him to the heart that he hath forgot that.
5: Why then cover and set them
28: down? And see if thou canst find out Sneak's noise. Mistress Tearsheet would fain hear some music. Dispatch! The room where they're supped is, is too hot, they'll come in straight. Sirrah,
22: here will be the prince and master points, and, I, and they will put on two of our jerkins and aprons, and Sir John must not know of it. Bardolph hath brought word.
13: By the mass, here will be old Eudis. It will be an excellent stratagem.
22: I'll see if I
17: can find out Sneak.
0: Exit. Enter Mistress Quickly, Ruth Goodwin, Doll Tearsheet, and Van Leeuwen. I, Faith, sweetheart, methinks you are
35: in an excellent good temporality. Your pulsage beats as extraordinarily as heart would desire, and your color, I warrant you, is as red as any rose in good truth. La, but I faith you have drunk too much canaries, and that's a marvellous searching wine, and it perfumes the blood ere one can say. What's this? How do you now? Better than I was. Why, that's well said. A good heart's worth gold. Lo, (laughs) here comes Sir John.
28: Enter John Falstaff, Steve Fisher.
0: Or maybe he doesn't enter.
36: Oh, no, I'm here. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and I'm singing. (laughs) When Arthur first in court, empty the Jordan. Exit first drawer. And was a worthy king. How now, Mistress Doll?
35: Sick of a calm, yeah, good faith.
36: So is all her sect. And they be once in a calm, they are sick.
8: You muddy rascal! Is that all the comfort you give me?
36: You make fat rascals, Mistress Dull.
8: I make them. Gluttony and diseases make them. I make them not.
36: If the cook helped to make the gluttony, you help to make the diseases. (laughs) Dull, we catch of you. Dull, Grant that, my poor virtue grant that.
8: Yea, joy, our chains and our jewels.
36: Your brooches, pearls, and ouches. For to serve bravely is to come halting off, you know. To come off the breach with his pike bent bravely. And to surgery bravely. To venture upon the charged chambers bravely.
8: (gasps) Hang yourself, you muddy conjurer, hang yourself. By bye my
35: trough. trough.
36: This is the old fashioned. You two never meet, but you oh, fall into some discord.
35: Hey, Steve, I'm saying this. Right.
36: Sorry. <laughs> 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 He's
17: drunk
2: <to>
35: <laughs> <laughs> Bye bye, trough. This is the old fashion. You two never meet, but fall into some discord. You are both, I good truth, as rumoric as two dry toasts. You cannot one bear with another's confirmities. What's the good year? One must bear, and that must be you. You are the weaker vessel, as they say, the emptier vessel.
8: Can a weak, empty vessel bear such a huge, full hogshead? There's a whole merchant's venture of Bordeaux stuff in him. You have not seen a hulk better stuffed in the hole. Come, I'll be friends with thee, Jack. Thou art going to the wars, and whether I shall ever see thee again or no, there is nobody cares.
0: <laughs> Re-enter first drawer. Sir, <laughs> ancient
28: pistols below would want speak with you. Hang him, swaggering rascal, let him not come hither.
35: It is the foul-mouthest rogue in England. If he swagger, let him not come here. No, by my faith, I must live amongst my neighbors. I'll know swaggerers. I am in good name and fame with the very best. Shut the door, there comes no swaggerers here. I have not lived all this while to have swaggering now. Shut the door, I pray you. Mm.
36: Dost thou hear, hostess?
35: Pray ye pacify yourself, Sir John. There comes... No swaggerers, here.
36: It's oh, also oh. here, it is mine ancient.
35: tilly Sally, Sir John, <laughs> ne'er tell me your accent, your, your ancient swaggerer comes not in my doors. I was before Master Tisic, the de, the debut, the deep the deputy, the other day, and as he said to me, 'Twas no longer ago than Wednesday last. I, good faith, neighbour, quickly says he, Master Dumb, our min- minister was by then. Neighbour, quickly says he, receive those that are civil. For said he, you are an ill name now. Ah, said so, I can tell whereupon for, says he, you are an honest woman. And well thought on, well thought on, therefore take heed what guests you receive. Receive, says he, no swaggering companion. There comes none here. You would bless you to hear what he said. No, I'll know, swaggerers.
36: Mm-mm. He's no swagger, hostess. A tame cheater, I faith. You may stroke him as gently as a puppy greyhound. He'll not swagger with a barbary hen if her feathers turn back in any show of resistance. Call him up, drawer. Exit
37: first drawer.
35: Cheater, call you him? I will bar no honest man my house, nor no cheater. But I do not love swaggering. By my troth, I am the worse when one says swagger. Feel, masters, how I shake? Look you, I warrant you. So you do, hostess? Do I? Yay! In very truth, do I? And twere an aspen leaf, I cannot abide, swaggerers.
0: <laughs> Enter Pistol, Chris Levier, Bardolph, Mark Crater, and Page, Andrew Holly. Oh,
36: God save you, Sir John. Welcome, ancient Pistol. Here, Pistol, I charge you with a cup of sack. Do you discharge upon mine hostess? Oh, I will discharge upon her, Sir John, with two bullets. She is pistol-proof, sir. You shall hardly offend her.
35: Come, I'll drink no proofs nor bullets. I'll drink no more than will do me good for no man's pleasure, I.
38: Then to you, Mistress Dorothy, I will charge you.
8: Charge me? (laughs) (laughs) I scorn you, scurvy companion. What? You poor base, rascally, cheating, lack linen mate. Away, you moldy rogue, away. I am meat for your master.
38: I know you, Mistress Dorothy.
8: Away, you cutpurse <laughs> rascal, you filthy bung, away. Buy this wine. I'll thrust my knife in your moldy chaps, and you play the saucy cuddle with me. Away, you bottle-ale rascal, you basket-hilt-stale juggler, you. Since when, I pray you, sir? God's light, with
38: two points on your shoulder? Much?
36: God, let me not live, but I will murder your ruff for this. No more, Pistol. I would not have you go off here. Discharge yourself of our
17: company, Pistol.
32: mistress.
17: Is that me?
35: No, good captain pistol. Not here, sweet captain. Captain!
8: Thou abominable damn cheater! Art thou not ashamed to be called captain? And captains were of my mind they would truncheon you out for taking their names upon you before you have earned them. You, a captain! Ha! You slave! (laughs) For what? for for tearing a poor whore's rough in a bawdy house he a captain hang him rogue he lives upon mouldy stewed prunes and dried cakes a captain oh. God's light these villains will make the word as odious as the word occupy
17: which was an excellent good word before it was ill sorted. Therefore captains had need look to it.
36: thee, go down Good, ancient. Hark thee hither, mistress stole. Not I.
38: I tell thee what, Corporal Bardolph? I could tear her. I'll be revenged of her. Pray thee, go down. I'll see her damned first to Pluto's damned lake, by this hand, to the infernal deep, with Erebus and torture's vile also. Hold hook and line, say I. Down. Down, dogs. Down, faders. Ha- have we not hire in here? Captain Piesel, be quiet. Tis very
35: late. I faith, fe- I beseech you now. Aggravate your
38: choler. These be good humors indeed. Shall pack horses and hollow pampered jades of Asia, which cannot go but thirty mile a day, compare with Caesars and with cannibals and Trojan Greeks? Nay. Rather, damn them with King Cerberus, and let the Welkin roar. Shall we fall, for, fall, 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 shall, shall we fall foul for toys?
9: I my
35: troth, Captain, these are very bitter words.
31: Begone, good ancient, this will grow to a brawl anon. Die men like dogs, give crowns like pins, oh, have we not hair in here?
35: Oh, my word, captain, there's none such here. What the good year? Do you think I would deny her? For God's sakes, be quiet.
38: Then feed and be fat, my fair Callipolis. Come, give some sack. Ugh. Si fortune me tormente, separato me contento. Fear we broadsides? No, let the fiend give fire. Give me some sack, and sweetheart, Lie thou
0: there? Laying down his sword.
38: Come we to full points here, and are etcetera nothing?
36: Just lie would be quiet.
38: Sweet knight, I kiss thy niece. What, we have seen the seven stars.
8: For God's sake, thrust him down the stairs. I cannot endure such a fustian rascal.
38: Thrust him downstairs. Know we not Galloway nags?
36: Wait him down, Bardolph, like a shove groat shilling. Nay, and do nothing but speak nothing, I shall be nothing here. Come, get you downstairs. What? Shall we have incision? Shall we
38: embrue? <laughs> then death rock me asleep, abridge my doleful days. Why then, let grievous, ghastly, gaping wounds untwine the sisters three. Come, Atropos, I say. Here's goodly stuff toward. Give me my rapier, boy.
8: I pray thee, Jack, I pray thee, do not draw.
36: Get you downstairs.
35: Here's a goodly tumult. I'll forswear keeping a house, A4. I'll be in these turrets and frights. So murder I warrant now. Alas, alas, put up your naked weapons.
0: Exeunt Pistol and Bardolph.
35: Coming down. Put off your naked weapons. I pay thee,
8: Jack. Be quiet. The rascal's gone. Ah, uh, you horsen
35: little valiant villain! You, he, you not hurt? Ye, the groin? She <laughs> thought a maid a shrewd thrust at your belly. Re-enter
0: Bardolph,
36: Mark Creater. Have you turned him out of doors?
31: Yea, sir, the rascal's drunk. You have hurt him, sir, in the shoulder. A
36: rascal, to brave me.
8: Ah, you sweet little rogue, you. Alas, poor ape, how thou sweatest. Come, let me wipe thy face. Come on, you horse and chops. Ah, rogue, if faith, I love thee. Thou art as valorous as Hector of Troy, worth five of Agamemnon, and ten times better than the nine worthies. Ah, villain!
36: Rascally slave, I will toss the rogue in a blanket.
8: Do, and thou darest for thy heart, and thou dost, I'll canvas thee between a pair of sheets.
10: Enter music. (laughs) The music is come, sir.
36: Let them play, play, sirs. Sit on my knee, doll, a rascal bragging slave. The rogue fled from me quite quicksilver.
2: If
8: faith, and thou followedst him like a church, thou horse and little tidy Bartholomew boar pig. When wilt thou leave fighting a days and foining a nights and begin to patch up thine old
0: body for heaven? Enter behind Prince Henry Chris Bemke and poins Laura Hubbard disguised.
36: He good doll. Do not speak like a death's head. Do not bid me remember mine end.
8: Sirrah, what humor's the prince of?
36: Oh, a good shallow young fellow. I would have made a good pantler. I would have chipped bread well.
8: They say Poins has a good
36: wit. He a good wit? Hang him! Baboon, his wit's as thick as Tewkesbury mustard. There's no more conceit in him than is in a mallet.
17: Why does the
20: prince love him so then?
36: Because their legs are both of a bigness, and a uh, plays it quite well, and eats conger and fennel, and drinks off candle ends for flap dragons, and rides the wild mare with the boys, and jumps upon joint stools, and swears with a good grace, and wears his boots very smooth, mm. like unto the sign of the leg, and broods no bait with telling of discreet stories. And such other gamble faculties it has that show a, a weak mind and an able body for the which the prince admits him. For the prince himself is such another. The weight of a hair will turn the scales between their avoirdupois. Henri?
17: Al. He's About on it. mute. I clicked unmute seven.
39: <laughs> Fuck me. <laughs> With this name of a wheel, have his ears cut off.
30: Let's beat him before his whore.
39: Look whether the widowed Elder has not his pole clawed like a parrot.
30: <laughs> Is it not strange that desire should so many years outlive performance?
39: Kiss me, <laughs> Saturn and Venus this year in conjunction. What says the almanac to that?
30: Oh, and look, with the fiery trigon, his man, be not lisping to his master's old tables, his notebook, his council keeper.
36: Thou dost give me flattering buses.
8: By my troth, I kiss thee with a most constant heart.
36: I am old, I'm old.
8: I love thee better than I love ere a scurvy young boy of them all. <laughs>
36: What stuff wilt have a kirtle of? I shall receive money a Thursday, and shall have a cap tomorrow. A merry song, come, it goes late, hold to bed, Thou oh, forget me when I'm gone.
8: By my troth thou set me a-weeping, and thou sayest so. Prove that ever I dress myself handsome till they return. Well, hearken at the end.
24: Some sack, Francis. Anon, anon, sir. Coming forward.
36: Ha! Ah, a bastard son of the kings! And art thou not points his brother? Why, thou globe
39: of sinful continents, what a life dost thou lead?
36: Ah, uh, better than thou. I am a gentleman. Thou art a drawer.
39: Very true, sir, and I come to draw you out by the ears.
36: Oh the Lord
35: preserve thy good grace by my troth welcome to London Now the Lord bless that sweet face of thine. Oh Jesu, are you come from Wales?
36: Thou horse unmad compound of majesty by this light flesh and corrupt blood thou art welcome.
17: How you fat fool I scorn you My lord,
30: he will drive you out of your revenge and turn it all to a merriment if you take not the heat.
39: You horse You horse and oh we both said it You (laughs) horse and candlemine you how vilely did you speak of me even now before this honest, virtuous, civil gentlewoman
35: God's blessing of your good heart, and so she is by my troth
36: Didst thou hear me? Yea, and you knew me,
39: as you did when you ran away by Gad's Hill. You knew I was at your back, and spoke it on
36: purpose to try my patience. No, 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 not so. I did not think thou wast within hearing.
39: I shall drive you then to confess the willful abuse, and then I know how to handle you. No abuse, Hal, of mine honor, no abuse. Not to dispraise me, and call me Pantier, and the
36: bread chipper, and I know not what. No abuse, Hal. No abuse? No abuse, Ned, of the world. Honest Ned, none. I dispraised him before the wicked, that the wicked might not fall in love with him. In which doing, I have done the part of a careful friend and a true subject. And thy father is to give me thanks for it. No abuse, Hal, none. (laughs) Ned, none. No faith, boys, none.
39: See now whether pure fear and entire cowardice doth not make thee wrong this virtual gentlewoman to close with us. Is she of the wicked? Is thine hostess here of the wicked? Or is thy boy of the wicked? Or honest Bardolph whose zeal burns in his nose of the wicked? Answer,
30: thou dead elm, answer.
36: The fiend hath pricked down Bardolph irrecoverable and his face is Lucifer's privy-kitchen, where he doth nothing but roast malt For the boy, there is a good angel about him, but the devil outbids him, too. For the women? For one of them, she is in hell already, and burns poor souls. For the other, I owe her money, and whether she be damned for that, I know not.
35: No, I warrant you.
36: No, I think thou art not. I think thou art quit for that, Mary. There is another indictment upon thee, for suffering flesh to be eaten in thy house, contrary to the law, for the which I think thou wilt howl.
17: All
35: victuallers do so. What's a joint of mutton or two in a whole lent?
36: You gentlewoman.
35: What says your grace?
36: His grace says that which his flesh rebels against.
35: Who knocks so loud at the door? Look to the door over there, Frances.
0: Enter Pato, Lydia Lee. Pato, how now?
27: What news? The king, your father, is at Westminster, and there are 20 weak
15: and wearied posts come from the north, and as I came along, I met and overtook a dozen captains, bareheaded, sweating, knocking at the taverns and asking everyone for
17: Sir John Falstaff. Oh, I lost my page.
39: Ah, by heaven points I feel me much to blame. So idly to profane the precious time when tempest of commotion like the south born with black vapor doth begin to melt and drop upon our bare unarmed heads. Give me my sword and cloak. Falstaff, good night.
36: Now.
28: Oh, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Exempt Prince Henry, Poins, Peto, and Bardolf.
36: Now comes in the sweetest morsel of the night, and we must hence and leave it unpicked.
17: More knocking at the door. Re enter Bardolf.
31: <laughs> mm-hmm. How now? What's the matter? You must await a court, sir, presently. A dozen captains stay at door for you
36: Hey the musician, sir. Farewell, hostess Farewell, doll You see, my good Wenches, how men of merit are sought after. The undeserver may sleep when the man of action is called on. Farewell, good Wenches If I be not sent away post, I will see you again ere I go.
8: I cannot speak, if my heart be not ready to burst. Well, sweet Jack,
17: have a care of thyself. Farewell, farewell.
35: Exit Falstaff and Bardolph. Well, fare thee well, I have known thee these twenty-nine years. Come peace, cod time, that an honester and truer-hearted man, well,
31: Ere thee well. Mistress Tearsheet. What's the matter? Good Mistress Tearsheet, come to my master. Oh, run, doll, run, run. <laughs> Good doll,
0: come. He comes blubbered. Yay, uh, hey, will you come, doll? <laughs> Excellent. Act three, scene one, Westminster, the palace, enter King Henry IV, Robert Skanes, in his nightgown with a page.
17: Go,
40: call the earls of Surrey and Warwick, but ere they come, bid them or read these letters. And will consider of them, make good speed.
0: Exit page.
40: Oh. How many thousand of my poorest subjects are at this hour asleep? Oh, sleep. Oh, gentle sleep, nature's soft nurse. How How have I frighted thee that thou no more will weigh my eyelids down, and steep my senses in forgetfulness? Why rather sleep liest thou in smoky cribs, upon easy pallets stretching thee, and hushed with buzzing nightflies to thy slumber, than in the perfumed chambers of the great, under the canopies of costly state, and lulled with sound of sweetest melody? O thou, dull God, why liest thou with the vile and loathsome beds, and Leave the kingly couch, a watch case, or a common larum bell. Wilt thou upon the high and giddy mast seal up the shipboy's eyes and rock his brains and cradle of the rude, imperious surgeon in the visitation of the winds who take the ruffian billows by the top, curling their monstrous heads and hanging them with deafening clamor in the slippery clouds that with hurly death itself awakes? Canst thou partial sleep give thy repose to the wet sea boy in an hour so rude? And in the calmest and most stillest night, with all appliances and means to boot, deny it to a king? Then, happy, lo, lie down. Uneasy lies the head that wears a crown.
0: Enter Warwick, Elizabeth Ramirez, and Surrey.
9: Many good morrows to your majesty.
40: Is it good morrow, lords?
9: Ah, uh, tis one o'clock, and past.
40: Why, then, good morrow to you all, my lords. Have you read o'er the letters that I sent you?
9: We have, my liege.
40: Then you perceive the body of our kingdom how foul it is, what rank diseases grow, and with what danger near the heart of it.
9: It is but as a body yet distempered, to which his former strength may be restored, with good advice and little medicine. My lord Northumberland will soon be cooled.
40: Oh, God, that one night one might read the Book of Fate and see the revolution of the times make mountains level, and the the continent, weary of solid firmness, melt itself into the sea. And other times to see the beachy girdle of the ocean too wide for Neptune's hips, how chances mock and changes fill the cup of alteration with divers' liquors. Oh, this were. Seen the happiest youth viewing his progress through what perils pass, what crosses to ensue, would shut the book and sit him down and die. Tis not ten years gone since Richard and Northumberland, great friends, did feast together, and in two years after were they at wars. It is but eight years since this percy was the mean was the man nearest my soul who like a brother toiled in my affairs and laid his love and life under my foot yea for my sake even to the eyes of richard gave him defiance but which of you was by you cousin neville as i may remember when Richard, with his eye brimful of tears, then checked and rated by Northumberland, did speak these words, now proved a prophecy? Northumberland, thou ladder by the which my cousin Bolingbroke ascends my throne. Thou then, God, knows I had no such intent, but that necessity shall bow the state that I and greatness were compelled to kiss. The time shall come, thus did he follow it, that time will come that foul sin gathering head shall break into corruption. So went on, foretelling this same time's condition and the division of our amity.
9: There is a history in all men's lives, figuring the nature of the time's deceased, the which observed a man made prophecy with a near aim of the main chance of things as not yet come to life, which in their seeds and weak beginnings lie in treasured such things become the hatch and brood of time, and by, the nece- and by the necessary form of this, King Richard might create a perfect guess that great Northumberland, then false to him, would of that seed grow to a greater falseness, which should not find a ground to root upon, unless on you.
40: Are these things then necessities? Then let us meet them like necessities and that same word even now cries out on us. They say the bishop in Northumberland are 50,000 strong.
9: They cannot be, my lord. Rumor doth double, like the voice and echo, the numbers of the feared. Please it your grace to go to bed. Upon my soul, my lord, the powers that you already have sent forth shall bring this prize in very easily. To comfort you the more, I have received a certain instance that Glendower is dead, Your majesty hath been this fortnight ill, and these unseasoned hours perforce must add unto your sickness.
40: I will take your counsel, and were these inward wars once out of hand, we would, dear lords, unto the holy land.
0: Exempt scene two, Gloucestershire before Shallow's house. Enter Shallow, Cathy Kirch, and silence Hilary Smith. Meeting, moldy, Kimberly Faltham, Shadow, James King, Wart, Gabby Grice, Feeble, Lydia Beck, Bull Calf, Jason Chappelle, a servant or two with them.
27: Mm-hmm. Come on, come on, come on, sir. Give me your hand, sir. Give me your hand, sir. An early stir by the rude. And how doth my good cousin silence?
41: good <laughs> morrow, good cousin shallow.
27: And how doth my cousin your bedfellow? And your fairest daughter and mine, my goddaughter, Ellen. The lads of black-house, cousin Shallow. By yea and nay, sir, I dare say my cousin William is become a good scholar. He is at Oxford still, is he not? Indeed, sir, to my cost. I must then to the inns of court shortly. I was once at Clement's Inn, where I think they will talk of mad Shallow yet. Uh, You
41: were called lusty Shallow then, cousin.
27: (laughs) By the mass, I was called anything. And I would have done anything, indeed, too, and roundly, too. There was I and little John doyt of Staffordshire and black George Barnes and Francis Pickbone and Will Squell and a Cotswold man. You would not force such bucklers in all the inns of court again. And I may say to you, we knew where the Bonaprobus were and had the best of them all at commandment. There was Jack Falstaff now Sir John, a boy, and page to Thomas Malbray,
3: Duke of Norfolk. The Sir John cousin, um, that comes hither anon about soldiers?
27: The same Sir John, the very same. I see him break Scogan's head at the court gate, when it was a crack not thus high, and the very same day did I fight with one Samson stockfish, a fruiterer, behind Grades Inn. Yesu, <laughs> the mad days that I have spent... And to see how many of my old acquaintance are dead.
30: We shall all follow, cousin.
42: Certain, Certain. tis certain. Certain, very sure, very sure. Death, as the psalmist saith, is certain to all. All shall die. How a
16: good yoke of bullocks at Stamford Fair? By my troth,
27: I was not there.
9: Death is certain.
27: Is old double of your town living yet? dead sir yesu yesu dead i drew a good bow and dead i shot a fine shoot john agant loved him well and betted much money on his head dead i would have clapped in the cloud a 12 score and carried you a forehand shaft of 14 and 14 and a half that it would have done a man's heart good to see how a score of views now uh, thereafter after as they be, uh, a score of good use may be worth ten pounds. And his old double-dead, uh, here come two of Sir John's Stelth, false off men, as I think.
0: Enter Bardolph, and one with him.
31: Good morrow, honest gentlemen. I beseech you, which is Justice Shallow? I am Robert Shallow, sir, a
27: poor esquire of this county and one of the King's Justices of the Peace. What is your good pleasure with me?
31: My captain, sir, commends him to you, my captain, Sir John Falstaff, a tall gentleman uh, by heaven, and a most gallant leader.
27: He greets me well, sir. I knew him a good baxard man. How doth the good knight? May I ask how my lady his wife doth?
31: Sir, pardon. A soldier is better accommodated than with a wife.
27: It is well said in faith, sir, and it is well said indeed, too. Better accommodated, it is good. Yea, indeed it is. Good phrases are surely and ever were very commendable. Accommodated. It comes of a commodo. Very good.
31: A good phrase. Pardon me, sir, I, heard, I have heard the word. A uh, phrase call you by it? By this good day, I know not the phrase, but I will maintain the word with my sword to be a soldier-like word, and a word of exceeding good command by heaven. Accommodated, that is, when a man is, as they say, accommodated, or when a man is being, whereby a man may be thought to be accommodated, which is an excellent thing. It is very just.
0: Ender Falstaff, Tom McGee.
27: Look, here comes good Sir John. Give me your good hand, give me your worship's good hand, hand, by my troth, you like well and bear your years very well. Welcome, good Sir John.
21: I am glad to see you well, good Master Robert Shallow, Master Shercord, as I think.
27: No, Sir John, it is my cousin Silence in commission with me.
21: Good Master Silence, it well befits you should be of the peace. Your good worship is welcome. Fie! this is hot weather, gentlemen. Have you provided me here half a dozen sufficient men?
27: Mary, have we,
21: sir? Will you sit? Let me see them, I beseech you.
27: Where's the roll? Where's the roll? Where's the roll? Let me see, let me see. So, so, yea. Mary, sir. Ralph Mouldy. Let them appear as I call. Let them do so, let them do so. Let me see, where is Mouldy?
20: Here, and please you.
27: What think you, Sir John? A good limbed fellow, young, strong, and of good friends.
20: Is thy name
21: moldy? Yea, ain't please you? Tis the more time thou wert used.
27: (laughs) Most excellent of faith. Things that are moldy lack use, very singular good. In faith well said, Sir John, very well said. Prick him. I was pricked well enough
8: before, and you could have let me alone. My old dame will be undone now, for one to do her husbandry and her drudgery. You need not have pricked me. There are other men fitter to go out than I.
21: Go to peace, Moldy. You shall go. Moldy, it was time you were spent. Bent.
27: Peace, fellow, peace. Stand aside. Know where you are? For the other, Sir John, let me see. Simon Shadow.
21: Yea, Mary, let me have him to sit under. He's like to be a cold soldier. Where's Shadow? Here, sir. Shadow? whose son art thou? My mother's son, sir. Thy mother's son? Like enough, and thy father's shadow. So the son of the female is the shadow of the male. It is often so indeed, but much of the father's substance.
20: Do you
27: like him, Sir John?
21: A shadow will serve for summer. Prick him, for we have a number of shadows to fill up the muster book.
27: Thomas Wart?
21: Where is he? Here, sir! Thy name Wart? Yea, sir. Thou art a very ragged wart.
27: Shall I prick him down, Sir John?
21: It were superfluous, for his apparel is built upon his back, and the whole frame stands upon pins. Prick him no more.
27: <laughs> you can do it, sir. You can do it. I commend you well. Francis Feeble? Here, sir.
21: What trade art thou, Feeble?
27: A
37: woman's tailor, sir. Shall I prick him, sir?
21: You may, but if he had been a man's tailor, he'd have pricked you. Wilt thou make as many holes in an enemy's battle as thou hast done in a woman's petticoat?
35: I will do my <gasps> will, sir.
41: You can have no more.
21: Well said, good woman's tailor, well said. Courageous feeble, thou wilt be as valiant as the wrathful dove or the most magnanimous mouse. Prick the woman's tailor well, Master Shallow, deep, Master Shallow.
12: I would it might have gone, sir.
21: I would... Thou wert a man's tailor, thou mightst mend him and make him fit to go. I cannot put him to a private soldier that is the leader of so many thousands. I let that suffice, most forcible feeble.
12: It shall suffice, sir.
21: I am bound for thee, Reverend Feeble. Uh, who is next?
27: <clears throat> Peter Bullcalf of the Green.
21: Yea, Mary, let's see Bullcalf. Here, yes, sir. For God, a likely fellow. Come, prick me Bullcalf till he roar again. O, oh, Lord, good my lord captain. What, dost thou roar before thou art pricked? O, oh, Lord, sir, I am a diseased man. What disease
40: hast thou?
38: A horse and cold, sir, a cough, sir,
43: which I caught with ringing in the king's affairs upon his coronation
21: day, sir. Come, thou shalt go to the wars in a gown. <laughs> we wilt have away thy cold, and I will take such order that my friend shall ring for thee. Is here all?
27: Here is two more called than your number. You must have four, but four here, sir. And so I pray you, go in with me to dinner.
21: Come, I will drink with you, but I cannot tarry dinner. I am glad to see you by my trough, Master Shallow.
27: Oh, Sir John, do you remember since we lay all night in the windmill in St. George's Field?
21: No more of that, good Master Shallow, no more of that!
27: (laughs) It was a merry night. And is Jane Nightwork still alive?
21: Uh, She lives, Master Shallow.
27: She never could away with me.
21: Never, never. She would always say she could not abide, Master Shallow.
27: By the mass I could anger her to the heart. She was then a bona roba. Doth she hold her
21: own well? Old, old, Master Shallow.
27: Nay, she must be old. She cannot choose but be old. Certain she's old and had Robin Nightwork by Old Nightworks before I came to Clemens Inn.
21: Master Silence.
27: Oh, that's uh, fifty-five years ago. Cousin <laughs> <laughs> Silence, thou hadst seen- that thou had seen that that this knight and I have seen. <laughs> Sir John, said I well?
21: We have heard the chimes at midnight, Master Shallow.
27: That we have, that we have, that we have. In faith, Sir John, we have. Our watchword was hem, boys. Come, let's to dinner. Come, let's to dinner. Jesus, the days we have seen.
0: Come, come. Exempt Falstaff and Justices. Good
25: master corporate Bardolph, stand, my friend, and here's four Harry 10 shillings and French crowns for you. In very truth, sir, I had as leaf be hanged, sir, as go, and yet for mine own part, sir, I do not care, but rather, because I am unwilling and for mine own part have a desire to stay with my friends. Else, sir, I did not care
31: for mine own part so much. Go to stand aside.
8: And, good master corporal captain, for my old dame's sake, stand my friend. She has nobody to do anything about her when I am gone. And she is old and cannot help herself. You shall have forty,
31: sir. Go so to, stand aside.
8: By my troth, I care not. A man
12: can die but once. We owe God a death. I'll ne'er bear a base mind. Ain't be my destiny, so ain't be not. So no man is too good to serve princes. And let it go which way it will. He that dies this year is quit for the next.
31: Well said. Thou art a good fellow. Faith.
0: I'll bear no base mind. Re-enter Falstaff and the Justices.
21: Come, sir, which men shall I have? Kathy. Master Shallow. Master Shallow. She's on mute. Perhaps I shall have four of which I please. Four
31: four of which you please. Uh, Sir, uh, a word with you.
21: I have three pound to free Moldy and Bullcalf. Go to, well?
27: Come, Sir John, which four will you have?
21: Do you choose for me?
27: Mary, then. Uh, Moldy, Bullcalf, Feeble, and Shadow.
21: Moldy and Bullcalf? For you, Moldy, stay at home till you are past service, and for your part, Bullcalf, grow till you come unto it. I will none of you.
27: Sir John, Sir John, Do not yourself wrong. They are your likeliest men, and I would have you served with the best.
21: Will you tell me, Master Shallow, how to choose a man? Care I for the limb, the thews, the stature, bulk, and big assemblance of a man? Give me the spirit, Master Shallow. Here's what. You see what a ragged appearance it is. I shall charge you and discharge you with the motion of a pewterer's hammer, Come off and on swifter than he that gibbets on the brewer's bucket. And this same half-fast fellow, Shadow, give me this man, He presents no mark to the enemy, the foreman may with as great aim level At the edge of a penknife, and for a retreat, How swiftly will this feeble the woman's tailor run off? Oh, give me the spare men, and spare me the great ones, Put a caliver into Wart's hand, Bardolph. Hold, old Wart, traverse. Thus, thus, thus. Come, manage me your caliver. So, very well, go to. Very good, oh, exceedingly good. Oh, give me always a little lean, old, chabbed, bald shot. Well said of faith. Wart, thou art a good scab. Hold. there's a tester for thee.
27: He is not his craft's master. He doth not do it right. I remember at Mile End Green when I lay at Clemens Inn. I was then Sir Dragonet in Arthur's show. There was a little quiver, fellow, and I would manage you his piece thus, and a would about and about, and come you in and come you in, rat-a-ta, would a say, bounce, would a say, and away again would a go, and again would a come. I shall never see you such, a fellow.
21: These fellows will do well, Master Shallow. God keep you, Master Silence, I will not use as many words with you. Very well, gentlemen both. I thank you, I must, a dozen mile tonight. Bought off, give the soldiers
23: coats.
27: Sir John, the Lord bless you. God prosper your affairs, God send us peace. At your return visit, our house, let our old acquaintances be renewed. Peradventure, I will with ye to the court.
21: For God, I would you would, Master Shallow.
27: Go to, I have spoken a word, God keep you.
21: Fare you well, gentle gentlemen.
0: Exint justices.
21: On Bardolph, lead the men away.
0: Exint Bardolph, recruits, and co.
21: As I return, I will fetch off these justices. I do see the bottom of justice shallow. Lord, Lord, how subject we old men are to this vice of lying. This same starved justice hath done nothing but pray to me of the wildness of his youth and the feats he hath done about Turnbull Street and every third word, a lie, doer paid to the hearer than the Turks tribute. Oh, I do remember him at Clements Inn like a man made after supper of a cheese pairing. When I was naked he was for all the world like a forked radish with a head fantastically carved upon it with a knife. I was so forlorn that his dimensions to any thick sight were invisible. Invincible? Hmm. I was the very genius of famine, yet lecherous as a monkey, and the whores called him Mandrake. I came ever in the rearward of the fashion and sung those tunes to the over scrooched housewives that he heard the carmen whistle and swear they were his fancies or his good nights. And now, Is this vice's dagger become a squire, and talks as familiarly of John Gaunt as if he'd been a sworn brother to him? And I'll be sworn I never saw him but once in the tilt-yard, and then he burst his head for crowning among the marshal's men. I saw it, and told John Gaunt he beat his own name, for you might have thrust him and all his apparel into an eel skin. The case of a treble, howboy was a mansion for him, a court, and now he has lands and beefs. Well, I'll be acquainted with him if I return, and it shall go hard, but I will make him a philosopher's two stones to me. And if the young dance be a bait for the old pike, I see no reason in the law of nature, but I may snap at him. Let time shape, and there an end.
0: Exit. Act 4, Scene 1, Yorkshire Goldtree Forest. Enter Archbishop of York, Hannah Ubel, Mowbray, uh, David Armstrong, Lord Hastings, Haley Donnell, and others.
33: What is the forest called? Tis Goldtree Forest, and and shall ye please your grace? Here stand, my lords, and send discoverers forth to know the numbers of our enemies.
3: We have sent forth already.
33: Tis well done. My friends and brethren in these great affairs, I must acquaint you that I have received new dated letters from from Northumberland, their cold intent, tenor, and substance thus. Here doth he wish his person, with such powers as might hold sortance with his quality, the which he could not levy, whereupon he is retired, to ripe his growing fortunes to Scotland, and concludes in hearty prayers that your attempts may overlive the hazard and fearful melting of their opposite.
22: Thus do the hopes we have in him touch ground, and dash themselves to pieces.
0: Enter a messenger.
28: Now what news?
8: West of this forest scarcely off a mile, and goodly comes on the enemy.
27: And by the ground they hide, I judge their number upon or near the rate of thirty thousand.
22: The just proportion that we gave them out, let us sway on and face them in the field.
0: What well-appointed leader fronts us here? Enter Westmoreland, Duncan Derry.
44: I think it is my lord of Westmoreland. Health and fair greeting from our general, the prince, Lord John, and Duke of Lancaster.
33: Say on, my lord of Westmoreland, in peace, what doth concern your coming?
44: Then, my lord, unto your grace do I in chief address the substance of my speech. If that rebellion came like itself in base and abject routs, led on by bloody youth, guarded with rags and countenance by boys and beggary, I say, if damned commotion so appeared in his true native and most proper shape, you, Reverend Father, and these noble lords had not been here to dress the ugly form of base and bloody insurrection with your fair honours. You, Lord Archbishop, whose sea is by a civil peace maintained, whose beard the silver hand of peace hath touched, whose learning and good letters peace hath a tutored, whose white investments figure innocence, the dove and very blessed spirit of peace, wherefore do you so ill translate ourselves out of the speech of peace that bears such grace into the harsh and boisterous tongue of war, turning your books to graves, your ink to blood, your pens to lances, and your tongue divine to a trumpet and a
33: point of war. Wherefore do I this? So the question stands. Briefly to this end, we are all diseased, and with our serpentine and wanton hours have brought ourselves into a burning fever, and we must bleed for it, of which disease our late King Richard, being affected, died. But my most noble lord of Westmoreland, I take not on me here as a physician, nor do I as enemy to peace troop in the throngs of military men, but rather show a while like fearful war to diet rank minds sick of happiness and purge the obstructions which begin to stop our very veins of life. Hear me more plainly, I have in equal balance justly weighed what wrongs our arms may do, what wrongs we suffer and find our griefs heavier than our offenses. We see which way the stream of time doth run and are enforced from our most quiet there by the rough torrent of occasion. And have the summary of all our griefs when time shall serve to show in articles which long ere this we offered to the king and might by no suit gain our audience. When we are wronged and would unfold our griefs, we are denied access unto his person, even by those men that must have done us wrong. The dangers of the days but newly gone, whose memory is written on the earth with yet appearing blood. And the examples of every minute's instance present now hath put us in these ill-beseeming arms, not to break peace or any branch of it. But to establish here a peace indeed, concurring both in name and quality.
44: Whenever yet was your appeal denied, wherein have you been galled by the king? What peer hath been suborned to grate on you that you should seal this lawless bloody book, a forged rebellion with a seal divine, and consecrate commotion's bitter edge?
33: My brother, general, the commonwealth, to brother born in a household cruelty, I make my quarrel in particular.
44: There is no need of any such redress, or if there were, it not belongs to you.
33: Why not to him in
22: part, and to us all, that feel the bruises of the days before, and suffer the condition of these times, to lay a heavy and unequal hand upon
44: our honours? My good Lord Mowbray, construe the time to their necessities, and you shall say indeed, it is the time, and not the King, that doth you injuries. Yet for your part it not appears to me, either from the king or in the present time, that you should have an inch of any ground to build a grief on. Were you not restored to all the Duke of Norfolk's signeries, your noble and right well-remembered fathers? What thing in honour had my father
22: lost that need to be revived and breathed in me? The king that loved him, as the state stood then, was force perforce compelled to banish him, and then that that Harry Bolingbroke and he, being mounted and both roused in their seats, their neighing coursers daring of the spur, their armed staves in charge, their beavers down, their eyes of fire sparking through the sights of steel and the loud trumpet blowing them together. Then, then, when there was nothing could have stayed, my father from the breast of Bolingbroke, oh, when the king did throw his warder down, his own life hung upon the staff he threw. Then threw he down himself and all their lives that by indictment and by dint of sword have since miscarried under Bolingbroke.
44: You speak, Lord Mowbray, not you know not what. The Earl of Hereford was reputed then in England the most valiant gentleman, who knows on whom fortune would then have smiled. But if your father had been victor there, he ne'er had borne it out of Coventry. For all the country in a general voice cried hate upon him, and all their prayers and love were set on Hereford, whom they doted on, and blessed, and graced indeed, more than the king. This is mere digression from my purpose. Here come I, from our princely general, to know your griefs, to tell you from his grace that he will give you audience. And wherein it shall appear that your demands are just, you shall enjoy them. Everything set off that might so much as think you enemies. But he hath forced us to compel this offer, and it proceeds from policy, not love. Now, you overween to take it so. This offer comes from mercy, not from fear. For lo, within a ken our army lies upon mine honor, all too confident to give admittance to a thought of fear. Our battle is more full of names than yours, our men more perfect in the use of arms, our armor all as strong, our cause the best. Then reason will our heart should be as good, say you not, then our offer is compelled.
22: Well, by my will, we shall admit no parley.
44: That argues but the shame of your offense. A rotten case abides no handling.
3: Hath the Prince John a full commission in very ample virtue of his father to hear and absolutely to determine of what conditions we shall stand upon?
44: That is intended in the General's name. I muse you make so slight a question.
33: And take, my Lord of Westmoreland, this schedule, for this contains our general grievances. Each several article herein redressed, all members of our cause, both here and hence, that are ensued to this action, acquitted by a true substantial form and present execution of our wills to us and to our purposes confined, become within our awful banks again and knit our powers to the arm of peace.
44: This will I show the general. Please, you lords, inside of both our battles we may meet and either end in peace, which God so frame, Or to the place of difference, call the swords which must decide it.
0: My lord, we will do so. Exit Westmoreland. There is
44: a thing
22: within my bosom that tells me that no conditions of our peace can stand.
3: Fear you not that if we make our peace upon such large terms, and so absolute as our conditions shall consist upon, our peace shall stand as firm as rocky mountains.
22: Yea, but our valuations shall be such that every slight and false derived cause, yea, every idle, nice, and wanton reason shall to the king taste of this action. That, were our royal faiths martyrs in love, we shall be winnowed with so rough a wind, that even our corn shall seem as light as chaff, and good from bad find no partition.
33: No, no, my lord. Note this. The king is weary of dainty and such picking grievances, for he hath found to end one doubt by death revised too greater in the airs of life. And therefore will he wipe his tables clean, and keep no telltale to his memory that may repeat, and history his loss to new remembrance. For full well he knows, he cannot so precisely weed this land as his misdoubts present occasion. His foes are so enrooted with his friends, that plucking to unfix an enemy, he doth unfasten so and shake a friend, so that this land, like an offensive wife, Mm -hmm. that hath enraged him on to offer strokes as he is striking, holds his infant up and hangs resolved correction in the arm that was upreared to execution.
3: Besides, the king hath wasted all his rods on late offenders, that he now doth lack the very instruments of chastisement, so that his power, like to a fangless lion, may offer but
33: not hold. Tis very true. And therefore be assured, my good Lord Marshal, if we do now make our atonement well, our peace will, like a broken limb united, grow stronger for the breaking.
22: Be it so. Here is
44: returned my love, my Lord of Westmoreland.
33: <laughs> Enter Westmoreland, Duncan
0: Derry.
44: The Prince is here at hand. Plead us, your Lordship, <laughs> to meet his grace just distance between our armies.
17: Your Grace of York, in God's name, then set forward. Before and greet His Grace,
22: my Lord, we come.
0: Exit. Uh, scene two, another part of the forest. Enter from one side, Mowbray, David Armstrong, attended afterwards, the Archbishop of York, Tessa Ternick, Hastings, Becky Kirby, and others. From the other side, Prince John of Lancaster, Fabiana Cabral, and Westmoreland, Beth McNeil, officers and others with them.
5: You are well encountered here, my cousin Mowbray. Good day to you. Good day to you, gentle Lord Archbishop, and so to you, Lord Hastings, and to all. My Lord of York, it better showed with you when that your flock, assembled by the bell, encircled you to hear with reverence your exposition on the holy text, than now to see you hear an iron man cheering a rout of rebels with your drum, turning the word to sword and life to death, that man that sits within a monarch's heart and ripens in the sunshine of his favor, would he abuse the countenance of the king? Alack, what mischiefs might he set a brooch in shadow of such greatness? With you, Lord Bishop, it is even so. Who hath not heard it spoken, how deep you were within the books of God? To us the Speaker in his Parliament, to us the imagined voice of God himself, the very opener and intelligencer between the grace, the sanctity of heavens, and our dull workings. Oh, who shall believe, but you misuse the reverence of your place, employ the countenance and grace of heaven. As a false favorite doth his prince's name in deeds dishonorable, you have taken up under the counterfeited zeal of God the subjects of his substitute, my father, and both against the peace of heaven and him have here up swarmed them.
37: Good, my lord of Lancaster, I'm not here against your father's peace, but as I told my lord of Westmoreland, the time mis- misordered doth in common sense crowd us and crush us to this monstrous form to hold our safety up, I sent your grace the parcels and particulars of our grief, which have hath been with scorn shoved from the court, whereon this hydra son of war is born, whose dangerous eyes may well be charmed asleep with grant of our most just and right desires, and true obedience of his madness cured. stoop tamely to the foot of majesty.
22: If not, we ready are to try our fortunes to the last men.
37: And though we here fall down, we have supplies
0: to second our attempt. If they miscarry, there shall second them. And so successive
5: mischiefs shall be born, and heir from heir shall hold this quarrel up, whilst England shall have generation. You are too shallow, Hastings. Much too shallow to sound the bottom of the after times.
6: Please, it your grace, to answer them directly. How far forth do you like their articles?
5: I like them all, and do allow them well, and swear here by the honor of my blood, my father's purpose have been mistook, and some about him have. Too lavishly rested his meaning and authority. My lord, these griefs shall be with speed redressed. Upon my soul they shall, if this may please you, discharge your powers unto their several counties, as we will ours. And here between the armies, let's drink together, friendly, and embrace, that all their eyes may bear these tokens home of our restored love and amity.
37: I take your princely word for these redresses.
5: I give it you, and will maintain my word, and thereupon I drink unto your grace.
37: Go, Captain, and deliver to the army
0: this news of peace. Let them have pay and part. I know it will well please them. Hide thee, Captain. Exit Officer. To you,
37: my noble
6: lord of Westmoreland. I pledge your grace, and if you knew what pains I have bestowed to breathe this present peace, you would drink freely. But my love to ye shall show itself more openly ereafter. I do not doubt you. I'm glad of it. Health to my lord and gentle cousin, Mowbray.
22: You wish me health in this very happy season, for I am, on the sudden, something ill.
37: Against ill chances men are, are ever merry, but heaviness foreruns the good errant event. Therefore be merry, cuz, since sudden sorrow serves to save them, some good
6: thing comes tomorrow. Believe me, I'm passing light in spirit.
22: So much the worse, if your own rules be true.
5: The word of peace is rendered. Hark, how they shout.
17: This has been cheerful after victory.
5: Uh, shout.
37: <laughs> ah, shout.
22: This has been cheerful after victory.
37: Okay. A piece of this nature of a conquest, for then both parties nobly are subdued, and neither party loser.
5: Go, my lord, and let our army be discharged too. Exit Westmoreland. And good, my lord, so please you. Let our trains march by us, that we may peruse the men we should have coped with all.
37: Go, good Lord Hastings, and ere they be dismissed, let them march by. Exit Hastings.
5: I trust, lords, we shall lie tonight together. Re-enter Westmoreland. Now, cousin, wherefore stands our army still?
6: The leaders, having charged from you to stand, will not go off until they hear
0: you speak. They know their duties. Re-enter Hastings. My lord, our army is dispersed already. Like youthful steers unyoked, they take their courses east, west, north, south. Or, like a school broke up, each hurries toward his home and sporting place.
6: Good tidings, my lord Hastings, for the which I do arrest thee, traitor, of high treason. And you, lord Archbishop, and you, lord Mowbray, of capital treason, I attach you both. Is this proceeding just and honorable? Is your assembly
5: so? Will you thus break your faith? i pawn thee none i promised you redress of these same grievances whereof you did complain which by mine honor i will perform with a most christian care but for you rebels look to taste the due meat for rebellion and such acts as yours most shallowly did you these arms commence fondly brought here and foolishly sent hence strike up our drums pursue the scattered stray God, and not we, hath safely fought today. Some guard these traitors to the block of death. Treason's true bed, and yield her up of breath.
0: Exit. Scene three, another part of the forest. Alarum, excursions, enter Falstaff, Tori Urquhart, and Colville, Timothy Ing. Meeting. <laughs>
27: Uh, what's your name, sir? What condition are you, and, and what place, I, I pray?
45: I am a knight, sir, and my name is Colville of the Dale.
27: Well, then, uh, Colville is your name, a knight is your degree, and your place, the Dale. Colville shall still be your name, a, a traitor, your degree and the dungeon your place, a place deep enough, so shall you still.
17: Coville of the Dale.
45: Are you not, are you, are not you, Sir John Falstaff?
27: As good a man as he, sir, whosoever I am. Do you yield, sir? Or shall I sweat for you? If I do sweat, they are the drops of thy lovers, and they weep for thy death, therefore, rouse up fear and trembling and do observance of my to my mercy.
45: I think you are Sir John Falstaff, and in that thought yield me.
27: I have a whole school of tongues in this belly of mine, and not a tongue of them all speaks to any other word but my name. <laughs> and I had but a belly of any indifference. I were simply the most active fellow in Europe. My
14: womb, my
0: womb, my womb undoes me. Oh, oh, Here comes our general. Enter Prince John of Lancaster, Justin Bukeser, Westmoreland, Blunt, and others.
42: The heat is passed, follow no further now. Call in the powers, good cousin Westmoreland.
0: Exit Westmoreland. Okay.
42: (laughs) Now, Falstaff, where have you been this whole while? Uh, When everything is ended, then you come. These tardy tricks of yours will, on my life, one time or other, break some gallows back.
4: I
27: would be sorry, my lord, but it should be thus. I never knew yet, but rebuke and check was the reward of valor. Do you think me a swallow? An arrow or a a bullet? Have I, in my poor and old motion, the expedition of thought? I have speeded hither with the very extremest inch of possibility. I have foundered nine score and odd posts, and here, travel tainted as I am, having my pure and immaculate valor, Taken Sir John Colville of the Dale, a most furious knight, and valorous enemy, but what of that? (laughs) He saw me, and yielded, that I must justly say, with the hook-nosed fellow of Rome, I came, I saw, and overcame.
42: It was more of his courtesy than your deserving.
27: I I know not. Here he is, and here I yield him, and I beseech your grace, let it be booked with the rest of this day's deeds, or, by the Lord, I will have it in a particular ballad else, with mine own picture on the top on it, Colville kissing my foot. To the which course, if I be enforced, if you do not all show with like guilt two pence to me, and I in the clear sky of fame, Or shine you as much as the full moon doth the cinders of the element, which show like pins heads to her. Believe not the word of the noble. Therefore let me have right and let desert mount.
42: Thine's too heavy to mount.
27: Let it shine, then.
42: Lines too thick to shine.
27: to do something, my good lord, that may do me good, and call it what you will.
42: Is thy name Colville? It is, my lord. A famous rebel art thou, Colville?
27: And a famous true subject took him.
42: I am, my lord, but
45: as my betters are that led me hither, had they been ruled by me, you should have won them dearer than you have.
27: I know not how they sold themselves, but thou, like a kind fellow, gavest thyself away gratis, and I thank thee for thee.
0: Re-enter Westmoreland, Sam Chappelle.
10: Now,
42: have you left pursuit? Retreat is made and execution stayed. Send Colville with his... Confederates, to York to present execution. Blunt, lead him hence and see you guard him sure. Agent Blunt and others with Colville. And now dispatch we toward the court, my lords. I hear the king, my father, is sore sick. Our news shall go before us to his majesty. Which cousin you shall bear to comfort him? And we, with the sober speed, will follow you.
27: My lord, I beseech you. uh, Give me leave to go through Gloucestershire, and uh, when you come to court, stand, my lord, pray, in your good report.
42: Fare you well, Falstaff. I, in my condition, shall better speak of you than you deserve.
0: Exempt all but Falstaff.
27: Would but you had the wit, twere better than your dukedom. Good faith, this same young sober-blooded boy doth not love me, nor a man can, nor a man cannot make him laugh. But but that's no marvel. He drinks no wine. There's never none of these demure boys come to any proof, for. Thin drink doth so overcool their blood, and make and making many fish meals that they fall into a kind of male green sickness. And then, when they marry, they get wenches. They are generally fools and cowards, which some of us should be too, but for inflammation. Huh? A good sherry sack has a twofold operation in it. It ascends me to the brain, drives me there all the foolish and dull and curdy vapors which environ it, makes it apprehensive, quick, forgettive, full of nimble, fiery, and delectable shapes, which delivered o'er the voice, the tongue, which is the birth, becomes excellent wit. The second property of your excellent sherrys is the warming of the blood, which, before cold and settled, left the liver white and pale, which is the badge of pusillanimity and cowardice. But the sherrys warms it and makes it coarse from the inwards to the parts extreme. It illuminates the face which as a beacon gives warning to all the rest of his little kingdom, man to arm. And then the vital commoners and inland petty spirits muster me all to their captain, the heart, who great and puffed up with his retinue, 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 doth any deed of courage. And this valor comes of Sherry's. So that skill in the weapons is nothing without sack, for that sets it to work and learning, a mere hoard of gold kept by a devil till sack commences it and sets it in act and use. That's one.
39: That's two.
17: Hereof
27: comes it that Prince Harry is valiant. For the cold blood he did naturally inherit, inherit of his father, he hath, like lean, sterile, and fair land, manured, husbanded, and tilled with excellent endeavor of drinking good and good store of fertile sherries, that he has become very hot and valiant. If I had a thousand sons, the first humane principle I would teach them should be to forswear thin potations, and addict themselves to sack.
0: Enter Bardolph, Mark Crater. How now, Bardolph?
31: The army is discharged all and gone. Let them go.
27: I'll go all through Gloucestershire, and there will I visit Master Robert Shallow, Esquire. I have him already tempering
0: between my finger and thumb, and shortly will I seal with him. Come, away. Exit. Scene four, Westminster, the Jerusalem Chamber. Enter King Henry IV, Jim Hill, the princes Thomas of Clarence, Steve Vargo, and Humphrey of Gloucester, Brooke Morgan, Warwick, Siah Floyd, and others.
46: Now, lords, if God doth give successful end to this debate that bleedeth at our doors, We will our youth lead on to higher fields and draw no swords but what are sanctified. Our navy is addressed, our power collected, our substitutes and absence well invested. And everything lies level to our wish, only we want a little personal strength and pause us till these rebels now afoot come underneath the yoke of government.
20: Both which we doubt not, but your majesty shall soon
46: enjoy. Humphrey, my son of Gloucester, where is the prince, your brother?
27: I think he's gone to hunt, my lord, at Windsor.
46: And how accompanied?
17: I do not know, my lord.
46: Is not his brother Thomas of Clarence with him?
17: No, my good lord.
27: He is in presence here.
46: What would my lord and father? Uh, nothing but <laughs> well to thee, Thomas of Clarence. How chance thou art not with thy, the prince, thy brother? He loves thee, and thou dost neglect him, Thomas. Thou hast a better place in his affection than all thy brothers. Cherish it, my boy, and noble offices thou mayest effect of mediation after I am dead between his greatness and thy other brethren, therefore omit him not. Blunt not his love, nor lose the good advantage of his grace by seeming cold or careless of his will, for he is gracious. If he be observed, he hath a tear for pity, and a hand open as day for melting charity. Yet notwithstanding being incensed, he's flint, as humorous as winter and as sudden as flaws congealed in the spring of day. His temper, therefore, must be well observed, Chide him for faults, and do it reverently. When thou perceive his blood inclined to mirth, but being moody, give him line and scope, till that his passions, like a whale on ground, confound themselves with working. Learn this, Thomas, and thou shalt prove a shelter to thy friends, a hoop of gold to bind thy brother's in. That the united vessel of their blood, mingled with venom of suggestion, as force force the ape poured in, shall never leak, though it do raw do work as strong as aconitum, or rash gunpowder.
43: I shall observe him with all care and love.
46: Why art thou not at Windsor
43: with him, Thomas? He is not there today. He dines in London. And how accompanied, canst thou tell that? With points and other, his continual followers.
46: Uh, most subjects is the fattest soil of the weeds and he, the noble image of my youth is overspread with them. Therefore, my grief stretches itself beyond the hour of death. The blood weeps from my heart when I do shape and forms imaginary the unguided days and rotten times that you shall look upon when I am sleeping with my ancestors. For when this headstrong riot hath no curb, when rage and hot blood are his counselors, when means and lavish manners meet together, oh, with uh, what wings shall his affections fly, towards fronting peril and opposed
17: decay.
20: My gracious Lord, you look beyond him quite. The prince but studies his companions like a strange tongue wherein to gain a language tis needed that the most immodest word be looked upon and learned. Uh, Which once attained, your highness knows, comes to no further use, but to be known and hated. So like gross terms, the prince will in the perfectness of time cast off his followers and their memory shall as a pattern or a measure live by which his grace must met the lives of others, turning past evils to advantages.
46: Tis seldom when the bee doth leave her comb, and the dead carry it.
0: Enter Westmoreland, Sam Chappelle.
46: Who's here?
10: Westmoreland? Health to my sovereign, a new happiness added to that that I am to deliver. Prince John, your son, doth kiss your grace's hand. Mulberry, the bishop of Scroope, hasting and all, are brought to the correction of your law. There is not now a rebel sword unsheathed, but peace puts forth her all of everywhere. The manner how this action hath been born here at More Leisure may your highness read with every course in his particular.
46: Oh, oh Westmoreland, thou art a summer bird, whichever in the haunch of winter sings the lifting up of day.
0: Enter Harcourt. So hard- Look, here's more news. Oh, Enter Harcourt, Elizabeth Morris. <laughs> Look,
46: here's more news. <laughs>
20: <laughs> from enemies, keep ye, heaven keep your majesty. And when they stand against you, may they fall as those that I am come to tell you of. The Earl Northumberland and the Lord Bar- Bardolph, with a great power of English and of Scots, are by the Sheriff of Yorkshire overthrown. The manner and true order of the fight, this packet, please it you, contains at large.
46: Ah, uh, and wherefore should... These good news make me sick. Will fortune never come with both hands full, but write her fair words still in foulest letters? She either gives a stomach and no food, such are the poor, in health, or else a feast and takes away the stomach, such are the rich, that have abundance and enjoy it not. I should rejoice now at this happy news, and now my sight fails and my brain is giddy. Oh, me. Come near me. Now I am much ill. Comfort your majesty. O oh, my royal father.
17: My
27: sovereign lord, cheer up yourself.
20: Look up. Be patient, princes. You do know these fits are with his highness very ordinary. Stand from him. Give him air. He'll straight be well.
43: No, no, he cannot long hold out these pangs. The incessant care and labor of his mind hath wrought the muir, that should confine it in so thin that life looks through and will break out.
27: The people fear me, for they do observe unfathered heirs and loathly birds of nature. This season changed their manners, as the year had found some months asleep and leaped them over.
43: The river had thrice flowed, no ebb between, and the old folk, time's doting chronicles, say it did so a little time before that our great-grandsire Edward sickened and died.
30: Speak, lower princes, for the king recovers
27: this apoplexy will certain be his end.
46: I pray you, take me up (laughs) and bear me hence into
42: some other chamber softly, pray.
0: Scene five, another chamber. King Henry IV, Christopher Prentice lying on a bed, Clarence, Steve Vargo, Gloucester, Brooke Morgan, Warwick, Teresa Perkins and others in attendance.
47: Let there be no noise made, my gentle friends unless some dull and favorable hand will whisper music to my weary spirit.
28: All for the music in the other room.
47: Set me the crown upon my pillow here.
43: His eye is hollow and he changes much.
0: Less noise, less noise. Enter Prince Henry, Michael Ross Albert.
45: Who saw the Duke of Clarence?
43: I am here, brother, full of heaviness.
45: How now, rain within doors and none abroad? How doth the king?
43: Exceeding
45: ill. Heard he the good news yet? Tell it him. He altered
28: much upon the hearing it.
45: If he be sick with joy, he'll recover without
28: physic. Not so much noise, my lords. Sweet prince, speak low. The king your father is disposed to sleep.
43: Let us withdraw into the other room.
28: Wilt please your grace to go along with us?
43: No.
45: I will sit and watch here by the king.
28: Exunt all but Prince Henry.
45: Why doth the crown lie there upon his pillow, being so troublesome a bedfellow? O polished perturbation, golden care, that keeps the ports of slumber open wide to many a watchful night, sleep with it now, yet not so sound and half so deeply sweet as he whose brow with homely biggin bound snores out the watch of night. O majesty, when thou dost pinch thy bearer, thou dost sit like a rich armor worn in heat of day that scalds with safety. By his gates of breath there lies a downy feather which stirs not. Did he suspire that light and weightless down perforce must move? My gracious lord, my father, this sleep is sound indeed. This is a sleep that from this golden wriggle, had divorced so many English kings. Thy due from me is tears and heavy sorrows of the blood which nature, love, and filial tenderness shall, O oh dear father, pay thee plenteously. My due from thee is this imperial crown which, as immediate as thy place and blood, derives itself to me. Lo, here it sits, which God shall guard, and put the world's whole strength into one giant arm. It shall not force this lineal honor from me. This from thee
17: will I to mine leave, as tis left to me. Warwick.
0: Gloucester. Clarence! Re-enter Warwick, Teresa Perkins, Gloucester, Brooke Morgan, Clarence, Steve Vargo, and the rest.
43: Doth the, doth the king call?
28: What would your majesty? How fair is your grace?
43: Why did you leave me here alone, my lords? We left the prince, my brother here, my liege, who undertook to sit and watch by you. The Prince
47: of Wales! Where is he? Let me see him. He is not here.
28: This door is open. He has gone this way. He came not through the chamber where we stayed.
47: Where is the crown? Who took it from my pillow?
28: When we withdrew my, my liege, we left it here.
47: The prince hath taken it hence. Go, seek him out. Is he so hasty that he doth suppose my sleep, my death? Find him, my lord of Warwick, chide him hither.
0: Exit Warwick.
47: This part of his conjoins with my disease and helps to end me. See, sons, what things you are. How quickly nature falls into revolt when gold becomes her object. For this, the foolish, over-careful fathers have broke their sleep with thoughts, their brains, with care, their bones, with industry. For this, they have engrossed and piled up the cankered heaps of strange-achieved gold. For this, they have been thoughtful to invest their sons with arts and martial exercises. When, like the bee, culling from every flower the virtuous sweets, our thighs packed with wax, our mouths with honey, we bring it to the hive, and, like bees, are murdered for our pains. This bitter taste this engrossments to the ending father. Re-enter Warwick. Now, where is he that he will not stay so long till his friend's sickness hath determined me?
28: My lord, I found the prince in the next room, washing with kindly tears his gentle cheeks, with such a deep demeanor and great sorrow. That tyranny, which never quaffed but blood, would, by beholding him, have washed his knife with gentle eye drops. He is coming hither. But
47: wherefore did he take away the crown?
0: Re-enter Prince Henry.
47: Lo, where he comes. Come hither to me, Harry. Depart the chamber. Leave us here alone.
0: Exint Warwick and the rest.
45: I never thought to hear you speak again.
47: Thy wish was father, Harry, to that thought. I stay too long by thee. I weary thee. Dost thou so hunger for mine empty chair that thou wilt needs invest thee with my honors before thy hour be ripe? O foolish youth! Thou seek'st the greatness that will overwhelm thee. Stay but a little, for my cloud of dignity is from falling with so weak a wind that it will quickly drop. My day is dim. Thou hast stolen that which after some few hours were thine without offence, and that my death thou hast sealed up my expectation. Thy life did manifest thou lovest me not, and thou wilt have me die assured of it. Thou heights did thousand daggers in thy thoughts, which thou hast whetted on thy stony heart to stab at half an hour of my life. What, canst thou not forbear me half an hour? Then get thee gone, and dig my grave thyself, and bid the merry bells ring to thine ear that thou art crowned, not that I am dead. Let all the tears that thou should bedew my hearse be drops of balm to sanctify thy head only compound me with forgotten dust. Give that which gave thee life unto the worms. Pluck down my officers, break my decrees, for now a time has come to mock at form. Harry the Fifth is crowned. Up, vanity! Down, royal state, all you sage counselors, hence, and to the English court assemble now from every region apes of idleness. Now, neighbor confines, purge you of your scum. Have you a ruffian that will swear, drink, dance, revel the night, rob, murder, and commit the oldest sins the newest kind of ways? Be happy, he will trouble you no more. England shall double gild his treble guilt. England shall give him office, honor, might, for the fifth Harry from curbed license plucks the muzzle of restraint, and the wild dog shall flesh his tooth on every innocent. Oh, my poor kingdom, sick with civil blows, when that my care could not withhold thy riots, what wilt thou do when thy riot is thy care? Oh, thou wilt be a wilderness again, peopled with wolves, thy old inhabitants, oh
45: pardon me, my liege, but for my tears, the moist impediments unto my speech, I had forestalled this dear and deep rebuke ere you with grief had spoke, and I heard and I had heard the course of it so far. There is your crown, and he that wears the crown immortally, long guard it yours. If I affect it more than as your honor and as your renown, let me no more from this obedience rise, which my most inward, true, and duteous spirit teacheth, this prostrate and exterior bending. God, witness with me, when I here came in and found no course of breath within your majesty, how cold it struck my heart. If I do fain, oh, let me in my present wildness die, And never live to show the incredulous world The noble change that I have purposed. Coming to look on you, thinking you dead, And dead almost, my liege, to think you were, I spake unto this crown as having sense, And thus upbraided it. The care on thee, depending, Hath fed upon the body of my father therefore thou best of gold art worst of gold other less fine in carrot is more precious preserving life in medicine potable but thou most fine most honoured most renowned hast eat thy bearer up thus my most royal liege accusing it i put it on my head to try with it as with an enemy that hath before my face murdered my father the quarrel of a true inheritor. But if it did infect my blood with joy, or swell my thoughts to any strain of pride, if any rebel or vain spirit of mine did with the least affection of a welcome give entertainment to the might of it, let God forever Keep it from my head, and make me as the poorest vassal is, That doth with awe and terror kneel to it.
47: O my son, God put in thy mind to take it thence, That thou mightst win the more thy father's love, Pleading so wisely in excuse of it. Come hither, Harry, sit thou by my bed, And here I think... The very latest counsel that ever I shall breathe. God knows, my son, by what bypaths and indirect crooked ways I met this crown, and I myself know well how troublesome it sat upon my head. To see it, to thee it shall descend with bitter quiet, better opinion, better confirmation, for all the soil of the achievement goes with me into the earth It seemed in me but as an honor Snatched with boisterous hand and I had many living To upbraid my gain of it By their assistance Which daily grew to quarrel And to bloodshed Wounding supposed peace All these bold fears Now ceased with peril I have answered For all my reign Hath been but as a scene Acting that argument That now my death changes the mode for what in me was purchased falls upon thee in a more fairer sort so thou the garland wears successively yet though thou stands more sure than i could do thou art not firm enough since griefs are green and all my friends which thou must make thy friends have but their stings and teeth newly out by whose fell working I was first advanced, and by whose power I, well, might lodge a fear to be again displaced, which, to avoid, I cut them off, and had a purpose now to lead out many to the Holy Land, lest rest and lying still might make them look too near unto my state. Therefore, my Harry, be it thy course to busy, giddy minds with foreign quarrels. That action, hence borne out, may waste the memory of the former days. More would I, but my lungs are wasted so that strength of speech is utterly denied me. How I came by the crown, O God, forgive, and grant it may with thee in true peace live.
45: My gracious liege, you won it. Wore it, kept it, gave it me, and plain and right must my possession be, which I, with more than with a common pain, gainst all the world will
47: rightfully maintain.
0: Enter Lord John of Lancaster.
47: Look, look, here comes my John of Lancaster.
1: Health,
42: peace, and happiness to my royal father.
47: Thou bringst me happiness and peace, son John, But health alack with youthful wings Is flown from this bare withered trunk. Upon thy sight my worldly business makes a period. Where is my lord of Warwick? My lord of Warwick! Doth any name particularly belong Unto the lodging where I first did swoon?
28: Tis called Jerusalem, my noble
47: lord. Lord be to God. Even there my life must end. It hath been prophesied to me in many years I should not die but in Jerusalem, which vainly I supposed the holy land. But bear me to that chamber. There I'll lie, in that Jerusalem shall Harry die. Exent.
0: Act 5, Scene 1, Gloucestershire. Shallow's House. Enter Shallow, Regina Jardin, Falstaff, Tim Collins, Bardolph, Mark Crater, and Page.
48: My cock and pie, sir, you shall not away tonight. What, Davy, I say?
16: You must excuse me, Mr. Master Robert Shallow.
48: I will not excuse you. You shall not be excused. Excuses shall not be omitted. There is no excuse shall serve. You shall not be excused. Why, Davy! Enter Davy, Sean Link. Here, sir. Davy, 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 let me see. Davy, let me see, Davy, let me see. Yea, Mary William Cook, bid him come hither. Sir John, you shall not be excused.
25: Mary, sir, thus. Those precepts cannot be served. And again,
48: sir, shall we sow the headland with wheat? With red wheat, Davy. But for William Cook, are there no young pigeons?
25: Yes, sir. Here is now the smith's note for shoeing the plow
48: Let it be cast and paid. Sir John, you shall not be excused.
25: Now, sir, a new link to the bucket must need be had. And, sir, do you mean to stop any of William's wages?
48: About the sack he lost the other day at the Hinkley Fair? I shall answer it. Some pigeons, Davy, a couple of short-legged hens, a joint of mutton, and any pretty little tiny kickshaws. Tell William Cook. Doth the man of war stay all night, sir? Yea, Davy. I will use him well. A friend of the court is better than a penny in purse. Use his men well, Davy, for they are errant knaves and will backbite.
25: No worse than they are backbitten, sir, for they have marvelous foul linen.
48: Well conceited, Davy. About that business, Davy.
25: I beseech you, sir, to countenance William Visor of Wancott against Clement Parks of the Hill.
48: There is many complaints, Davy, against that visor. That visor is an errant knave, on my knowledge.
25: I grant your worship that he is a knave, sir. But yet, God forbid, sir, but a knave should have some countenance at his friend's request. An honest man, sir, is able to speak for himself when a knave is not. And I have served your worship truly, sir, this eight years. And if I cannot once or twice and a quarter bear out a knave against an honest man, I have but a very little credit with your worship. The knave is mine honest friend, sir. Therefore, I beseech your worship. Let him be countenanced.
48: Go to. I say she, he shall have no wrong. Look about, Davy. Exit Davy. Where are you, Sir John? Come, come, come. Off with your boots. Give me your hand, Master Bardolph. I
31: am glad to see your worship.
48: I thank thee with all my heart, kind Master Bardolph, and welcome my tall fellow. Come, Sir John.
16: I'll follow you, good Master Robert Shallow.
0: Exit Shallow.
16: Bardolph, look to our horses.
0: Exit Bardolph and page.
16: If I were sawed into quantities, I should make four dozen of such bearded hermit staves as Master Shallow. It is a wonderful thing to see the semb- semblable coherence of his men's spirits and his. They, by observing of him, do bear themselves like foolish justices. He, by conversing with them, is turned into a justice-like serving man. Their spirits are so married in conjunction with the participation of society that they flock together in consent like so many wild geese. If I had a suit to master shallow, I would humor his men with the imputation of being near their master. If to his men, I would curry with the master shallow that no man could better command his servants. It is certain that either wise bearing or ignorant carriage is caught as men take diseases of one another. Therefore let men take heed of their company. I will devise matter enough out of this shallow to keep Prince Harry in continual laughter the wearing out of six fashions, which is four terms, or two actions, and I shall laugh without intervals. Oh, it is much that I lie with a slight oath and a jest with a sad brow will do with a fellow that never had the ache in his shoulders. Oh, you shall see him laugh till his face be like a wet cloak ill laid up. Sir John! I come, Master Shallow! I come, Master Shallow! Exit. Scene two,
0: Westminster, the palace, enter Warwick, Lorenzo Peñata, and Lord Chief Justice Hilary Warkowski meeting.
16: How now, my Lord Chief Justice, wither away?
14: How doth the king?
16: Exceeding well, his cares are now all ended.
14: I, I hope not dead.
16: He's walked the way of nature, and to our purposes he lives no more.
14: I would his majesty had called me with him. The service I truly did his life hath left me open to all injuries. Indeed, I think the young king
16: loves you not.
14: I know he doth not, and you arm myself to welcome the condition of the time which cannot look more hideously upon me that I have drawn it in my fantasy.
0: Enter Lancaster, Lauren Kerbel, Clarence, Steve Vargo, Gloucester, Brooke Morgan, Westmoreland, and others.
16: Here come the heavy issue of dead Harry. Oh, that the living Harry had the temper of him, the worst of these three gentlemen. How many nobles then should hold their places that must strike sail to spirits of vile sort?
14: Oh God, I fear all will be overturned.
16: Good morrow, cousin Warwick. Good morrow.
14: Good morrow, cousin. Good morrow, cousin.
10: We meet like men that had forgot to speak.
16: We do remember, but our argument is all too heavy to admit much talk. Well, peace
4: be with him that hath made us heavy.
14: Peace be with us, let we be heavy, lest we be heavier. Oh,
27: good my lord, you have lost a friend indeed, and I dare swear you borrow not that face of seeming sorrow. It is sure your own.
4: Though no man be assured what grace to find, you stand in coldest expectation. I am the sorrier, would twere otherwise.
43: Well, you must speak now. well, you must now speak Sir John Falsoff Fair, which swims against your stream of quality.
14: Sweet princes, what I did, I did in honor, led by the impartial conduct of my soul, and never shall you see that I will beg a ragged and forestalled remission. If truth and upright innocence fail me, I'll the king, my master that is dead,
0: and tell him who hath sent me after
14: him.
16: Here comes the prince.
0: Enter King Henry V, Scott Garland, attended. Good
14: morrow, and God save your majesty.
34: Oh, this new and gorgeous garment majesty... Okay, fine, you can... This new and gorgeous garment majesty sits... Not so easy on me as you think. Brothers, you mix your sadness with some fear. This is the England, not the Turkish court. Not Amarath, and Amarath succeeds, but Harry, Harry. Yet be sad, good brothers, for by my faith it is very well becomes you. Sorrow for royally in you appears, that I will deeply put the fashion on and wear it in my heart. Why then, be sad, but entertain no more of it, good brothers, than a joint burden lain upon us all. For me, by heaven, I bid you be assured. I'll be your father and your brother too. Let me but bear your love. I'll bear your cares.
17: Yet weep that Harry is dead, and so will I.
34: But Harry lives, that shall convert those tears by number into hours of happiness.
27: We, we hope, hope no other from your, your majesty's
34: majesty. <laughs> you all look strangely on me. And you, most, you are, I think, assured I love you not.
14: I am assured, if I be measured rightly, mm-hmm. your majesty hath no just cause to hate me.
34: No. How might a prince of my great hopes forget so many indignities you laid upon me? What? Rate, rebuke, and roughly send to prison the immediate heir of England? Was this easy? May this be washed in lethe and forgotten.
14: I then did use the person of your father. The image of his power lay then in me. And in the administration of his law, whilst I was busy for the commonwealth, your highness pleased to forget my place, the majesty and power of law and justice, the image of the king whom I presented and struck me in the very seat of judgment. Whereon as an offender to your father, I gave bold way to my authority and did commit you. If the deed were ill, be you contented wearing now the garland to have a son set your decrees at naught, to pluck down justice from your awful bench to trip the course of law and blunt the sword that guards the peace and safety of your person nay more to spurn at your most royal image and mock your workings in a second body question your royal thoughts make the case yours be now the father and Propose a son, hear your own dignity so much profaned, see your most dreadful laws so loosely slighted. Behold yourself so by a son disdained, and then imagine me taking your part and in your power soft silencing your son. After this cold considerance, sentence me, and, as you are a king, speak in your state what I have done that misbecame my place, my person or my liege's Sovernair- so- sovereignty. Sovereign <laughs> oh Sovereignty
34: Sovereignty is the word. Soven. Yeah.
14: So many drinks.
34: Mm. You are right, Justice, and you weigh this well. Therefore, still bear the balance and the sword. And I do wish your honors may increase, till you do live to see a son of mine offend you and obey you as I did. So shall I live to speak my father's words. Happy am I that have a man so bold that dares do justice on my proper son, and not less happy having such a son that would deliver up his greatness so into the hands of justice. You did commit me, for which I do commit into your hand the unstained sword that you have used to bear. With this remembrance, that you use the same with the like bold, just and impartial spirit, as you have done against me. There is my hand. You shall be as a father to my youth. My voice shall sound as you do prompt mine ear and I will stoop and humble my intents to your well-practiced wise directions. And Princes all, believe me, I beseech you. My father is gone wild into his grave, for in his tomb lie my affections, and with his spirit, sadly, I survive. To mock the expectation of the world, to frustrate prophecies and to raise out rotten opinion who hath writ me down after my seeming. The tide of blood in me hath proudly flowed in vanity till now, now doth it turn and ebb back to the sea where it shall mingle with the state of floods and flow henceforth in formal majesty. Now call we our high court of parliament And let us choose such limbs of noble counsel that the great body of our state may go in equal rank with the best governed nation,
17: that war or peace
34: or both at once may be as things acquainted and familiar to us, in which you,
17: Father, shall have foremost
34: hand. Our coronation done, we all a sight. As I before remembered, all our state. And God consigning to my good intents, no prince nor peer shall have just cause to say, God shorten Harry's happy life one day. Excellent.
0: Scene three, Gloucestershire, Shallow's Orchard. Enter Falstaff, Chris Cigucci, Shallow, Kieran Voss, Silence, Hilary Smith, Davy, Sean Link, Bardolph, Mark Crater, and Page.
3: Nay, you shall see my orchard, where, in an arbor, we will eat at last year's pippin of my own graphing, with a dish of caraways and so forth. Come, cousin Silence, and then to bed.
7: Or
26: for God, you have here a goodly dwelling and a rich
3: baron 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 beggars all beggars all sir john mary good air spread davy spread davy well said davy
26: this davy serves you for good uses he is your serving man and your husband
3: a good varlet a good varlet a very good varlet (laughs) sir john by the mass i have drunk too much sack at supper a good violet, now sit down, now sit now sit down. come, cousin. Uh, we shall
27: do nothing but eat and make good cheer and praise God for the merry year and flesh is cheap and females dear and lusty lads here and there so merrily, and everyone so merrily.
26: There's a merry heart. Good master silence. I'll give you a health for that anon.
3: Give master Baldroff some wine, Davy.
26: Sweet sir, sit. I'll be with you
25: anon. Most sweet sir, sit. Master page, good master page, sit. Proface. face. What we want, what you want in meat, we'll have in drink. But you must bear the heart's all. Exit.
3: Be merry, Master Baldroff, and my little soldier there, be merry.
27: Be merry, be merry, my wife has all. For women are shrews, both short and tall, tis merry in hall when beers wear all. And welcome, merry shrewtide, be merry, be merry.
26: <laughs> I did not think Master Silence had been a man of this metal.
17: No, I, I have been married twice, and what's there now?
0: Re enter Davy.
25: There's <laughs> a dish of leather coats for you. Davy! Your <laughs> worship, I'll be with you straight. A cup of wine, sir? <laughs> uh,
27: a cup of wine that's uh, brisk and fine. Oh, 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 oh. Um,
30: um, um, and drink unto the lemon mine, and merry heart lives long up.
26: Well said, Master Silence.
30: And we shall be merry. Uh now comes in the sweet of the night.
26: Health and long life to you, Master Silence.
3: Fill the cup and let it become. I'll pledge you a mile to the bottom. Honest Baldruff, welcome. If thou wantest anything and wilt not call, beshrew thy heart. Welcome, my tiny little thief, and welcome indeed too. I'll drink to Master Baldoff and all the cavaleros about London.
25: I hope to see London once
31: ere I die, and I might see you there, Davy.
3: Oh, by the mass, you'll crack a court together, huh? Will you not, Master Baldorf?
31: Yea, sir, in a petal, in a potter pot.
3: By God's ligands, I thank thee. The knave will stick by thee. I can assure thee that. I will not out. He is true breed. bred.
31: And I'll stick by him, sir.
3: Why, there spoke a king. Lack like nothing. Be merry. Look, who's at the door, hall? Who knocks? Exit, Davy.
26: Why, now you have done me right.
0: To silence, seeing him take off a bumper.
26: Do me
27: right and
0: dub me knight, Zamingo. It's not so. Tis so. It's not so like them say old men do somewhat what? Re-enter Davy.
25: And please, Your Worship, there's one pistol.
26: Come from the court with news. From the court? Let him come in.
0: Enter pistol, Melissa Wright. False F, still have a line.
26: Oh, how now, Pistol?
12: John, God save you.
26: What wind blew you hither, Pistol?
12: Uh, not the ill wind which blows no men to good, sweet knight, who art now one of the greatest men in this realm.
17: Oh, fire lady, I think <laughs> to be but
27: goodness puff of Barthain. Puff, puff in
12: thy teeth, most recreant coward base. Sir John, I am thy pistol and thy friend, and helter skelter have I rode to thee, and tidings do I bring, and lucky joys, and golden times, and happy news of price.
26: I pray thee now deliver them like a man of this world.
12: A footre for the world and worldling's base, I speak of Africa and golden joys.
26: Oh, base, Assyrian knight, what is thy news? Let King Kafichua know the truth thereof.
17: And Robin Hood, Scarlet,
12: And John, Shall dunghill curs confront the helicons? And shall good news be baffled? Then pistol, lie thy head in fury's lap. Honest gentleman, I know not of your breeding. Why then lament therefore?
3: Give me pardon, sir. If, sir, you come with news from from the court, I take it there's but two ways, either to utter them or to conceal them. I am, sir, under the king. In some authority. Under which
12: king, Masonian? Speak or die? Under King Harry. Harry the fourth or fifth? Harry the fourth. A Affutre for thine office. Sir John, thy tender lamb king now is king. Harry the fifth's the man. I speak the truth. When pistol lies, do this, and fig me like the bragging Spaniard.
26: What? Is the old king dead?
12: As nail in door, the things I speak are just.
26: <sighs> Away, Bardolph, saddle my horse. Master Robert Shallow, choose what office thou wilt in the land, Tis thine. Pistol, I will double charge thee with dignities. Oh, joyful day, I would not take a knighthood for my fortune. What?
12: I do bring good news.
26: Carry Master Silence to bed. Master Shallow... My lord, shallow, be what thou wilt. I am fortune's steward. Get on thy boots. We'll ride all night. Oh, sweet pistol, away, Bardolph. Exit, Bardolph. (laughs) Come, pistol, utter more to me, and withal devise something to do thyself good. Boot, boot, master shallow. I know the young king is sick for me. Let us take any man's horses. The laws of England are at my commandment. Blessed are they that have been my friends, and woe to my lord chief justice.
12: But Vulture's vile seize on his lungs also. Where is the life that late I led, say they. Why, here it
0: is. Welcome these pleasant days. Present, Scene four, London, a street. Enter Beatles, Amy Stryzik. Dragging in hostess quickly, Rachel Nissenker, and doll Tearshi, Anne Van Leyland.
8: No, thou errant knave, I would to
14: God that I might die, that I might have thee hanged. Thou hast run my shoulder out of joint. The constables have delivered her over to me, and she shall have whipping. Cheer enough, I warrant her. There hath been a man or two lately killed about her.
8: Nuthook! Nuthook! You lie! Come on, I'll tell thee what, thou damned trite-visaged rascal! And the child I now go with do miscarry? Thou wert better, thou hadst struck thy mother, thou paper-faced villain! Oh, the Lord! That Sir John were come, he would make this a bloody day to somebody,
14: but I pray God the fruit of her womb miscarry. If it do, you shall have a dozen of cushions again. You have but eleven now. Come, I charge you both go with me for the man is dead that you and Pistol beat amongst you.
8: I tell you what, you thin man in a censer, I will have you as soundly swing for this, you blue-bottle rogue, you filthy famished correctioner. If you be not swinged, I'll forswear half-curdles.
14: Come, come, you knight errant, come. Oh, God, that right should come. Oh, sorry. No, it's
8: you. <laughs> oh, God, that right should thus overcome might. well of sufferance comes ease. Come, you rogue, come, bring me to justice. I come, you starved bloodhound. Good man death, good man bones. Thou
17: at me, thou. Come, you thin thing, come, you rascal. Very well.
0: Exent. Scene five, a public place near Westminster Abbey. Enter two grooms, David McClellan and Cat Cheseray, strewing rushes. <laughs>
38: More rushes, more rushes.
0: The
3: trumpets have sounded twice.
38: Twill be two o'clock ere they come from the coronation. Dispatch, dispatch.
0: Exit. Enter Falstaff, Liz Johnston, Shallow, Rini Smith, Pistol, Laura Ann Harris, Bardolph, Mark Crater, and Page.
41: Stand here by me, (laughs) Master Robert Shallow. I will make the king do you grace. I will leer upon him as it comes by, and do but mark the countenance that he will give me. (laughs) God bless thy lungs, good night. Come here, pistol, stand by me. If I had had time to have made new liveries, I would have bestowed the thousand pound I borrowed of you. But tis no matter. This poor show doth better this, uh, you know, doth infer the zeal. I had to see him. It doth so. It shows my earnestness of affection. It doth so. My devotion. It doth, it doth, it doth. As it were, to ride day and night, and not to deliberate, not to remember, not to have patience to shift me. It's best certain. But to stand stained with travel, and sweating with desire to see him, thinking of nothing else, putting all affairs else in oblivion, as if there were nothing else to be done but see him. Tis semper item, for obseek hoc nihil est,
27: tis all in every part.
8: Mm. So, indeed. My
27: knight, I will inflame thy noble liver, and make thee rage, thy doll and Helen of thy noble thoughts, is in base durance and contagious prison. Hiled hither by most mechanical and dirty hand, rouse up revenge from Ebon den with fell Affecto's snake, for dolls is in, pistol speaks not, but truth. Huh.
0: I will deliver her. Shouts within, and the trumpet sound. There roared the sea, a trumpet clamor sounds. (laughs) Enter King Henry V, Scott Garland and his train, the Lord Chief Justice Brie Garcia among them.
41: God save thy grace, King Hal, and my royal Hal. The heavens thee guard and keep, most royal imp of fame. God save thee, my sweet boy.
17: How? My sweet boy! <laughs> hey! Goodbye, <laughs> Drink. How?
41: Drink? Looks like Falstaff wins this one, baby! We're sticking <laughs> around! <laughs> my lord,
34: the Chief <laughs> Justice, speak to that vain man.
2: Have you your wits? Know what tis you speak? <laughs>
41: my king, my Jove, I speak to thee, my heart.
34: I know thee not, old man. Uh, a Fall to thy prayers. How ill white hair's become a fool and jester. I have long dreamed of such a kind man, so serpent swelled, so old and profane. But being awaked, I do despise my dream, make less thy body hence and more thy grace. Mm. Leave Gormandizing. Know the grave doth gape for thee thrice wider than for other men. Reply not to me with a fool born jest. Presume not that I am the thing I was. For God doth know, so shall the world perceive, that I have turned away my former self. So will I those that kept me company. When thou dost hear, I am as I have been, approach me and thou shalt be as thou wast, the tutor and the feeder of my riots. Till then, I banish thee on pain of death, as I have done the rest of my misleaders not to come near our person by ten mile. For competence of life, I will allow you the lack of means and force you not to evil. And, as we hear you do reform yourselves, We will, according to your strengths and qualities, give you advancement. Be it your charge, my lord, to see performed the tenor of our word. Set on.
0: Exempt King Henry V and company. Bit rude. Master, (coughs) Master Shallow,
41: I owe you a thousand pound. Uh, yea, marry, Sir John, which I beseech you to let me have home with me.' <coughs> "'That can hardly be, Master Shallow. <laughs> Do not you grieve at this. I shall be sent for in private to, uh, <coughs> to him. Look, he must seem this thus to the world. Fear not your advancements. I will be the man yet that shall make you great.' Oh.
32: I cannot well
41: perceive how, unless you should give me your doublet and stuff me
8: without-with-straw. I beseech you, good Sir John, let me have five
41: hundred of my thousand. Sir, I will be as good as my word. This that you heard was but colour. A colour that I fear you will die in, Sir John. Fear no colors go with me to dinner. Come, Lieutenant Pistol, come, Bardolph. I shall be sent for soon
0: at night. Re enter Prince John of Lancaster, Lauren Kiefer, the Lord Chief Justice Brie Garcia, officers with them.
28: <laughs> go, carry Sir John Falstaff to the fleet. Take all his company along with him. My lord, my lord. I cannot now speak. I will my hear lord. you soon. Take them away. To
20: fortune me tormenta, Spiro contenta.
0: Exunt all but Prince John and Lord Chief Justice.
2: I like this fair proceeding of the kings. He hath intent his wanted followers, shall all be very provided for, but all are banished till their conversations appear more wise and modest to the world.
28: And so they are.
2: The king hath called his parliament, my lord. He hath. I will lay odds that, ere this year expire, we bear our, bear our silver swords and native fire. As far as France, I a bird so singing, whose music to my thinking please
9: the king. Come, will you hence.
0: Exent. Epilogue. Tasha Rogatsky. James. Oh, she's not doing it. Alex Uriarte. Tessa
1: Chernik.
9: First my fear, then my
30: courtesy, last my speech. My fear is your displeasure, my courtesy, my duty, and my speech to beg your pardon. If you look
9: for a good, good speech, speech now, you want to For what I have to say is of mine own making, and what indeed I should say will,
24: I doubt prove
15: my own marring, but to the purpose, and so to the venture.
37: Be it known to you, as it is very well, I was lately here in the end of a displeasing play, to pray your patience for it, and to promise you a better. I meant indeed to pay you with this, which, if you like an ill venture, it come unluckily home I break, and you, my gentle creditors, lose. Here I promise you I would be, and here I commit my body to your mercies. Bait me some, and I will pay you some, and as most debtors do, promise you infinitely. Alex,
0: can you do the next one? Oh,
12: Jesus, I'm drunk. Okay. Um, infinitely. If my tongue cannot entreat you to acquit me, will you command me to use my legs? That's a lot. And yet, where will like payment to dance out of your debt? But a good conscience will make any possible satisfaction. And so would I. All the gentlewomen here have forgiven me. If the gentleman will not, then the gentlemen do not agree with the gentlewomen, which was never seen before in such assembly.
0: One word more I beseech you. If you be not too much cloyed with fat meat, our our humble author will continue the story, with Sir John in it, and make you marry with fair Catherine of France, where, for anything I know, Falstaff shall die of a sweat unless he already be killed with your hard opinions. For Old Castle died a martyr, and this is not the man, My tongue is weary. When my legs are too, I will bid you good night. And so kneel down before you, but indeed to pray for the
17: queen.